The situation is dire. Hundreds of people have been stung by the unexpected incursion of bees into the space station, and our only hope is to land back on Earth immediately. Bees on the space station? Stinging people? What's that? It's when a bee plants its poisonous needle into a victim. But that's, but that's not important right now. We need to get back into the atmosphere, fast. I have the perfect antidote to bee stings. There's a growing feeling of hysteria Conditioned to respond to all the threats And the rhetorical speeches of the Soviet Mr. Khrushchev said he See? What better way to fight stings than with sting? Sting refuses to come out of his room. He insists that the people wishing he would reunite with the police are cramping his style, and the last time he flew a space station, Joan Rivers made a movie. Impossible! Surely you're not serious. I am. And don't call me Shirley. It's a good thing I kept this sword that the Hobbit gave me. Sting, slay those bees! Good thinking. Bees have a secret fear of mithril that causes their aerodynamic bodies to fall to the ground. But that still doesn't tell us how to land this space shuttle. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit injecting morphine. Ah. Wait, I have just the thing. The game developer Sting has a synergy with all homonyms of its name. It was monitoring this disaster and can guide the space shuttle in for a landing. Autopilot, out of the way. I have to steer this thing manually. Oh no, I just crashed through the antenna for the all-boy band radio network. The Backstreet Boys are gone now. But since the radio waves are clear, the RP backtrack is here. Today, our panel of hosts try to be calm as they get stung by a swarm of sting games. But before they can buzz over there, they take some time to discuss the buzz on a duo of Deus Ex games. Even a queen bee can't keep our guests calm once they've been riled up by our marathon of RPGs. So grab a catching net, put on your protective gear, you're running into the hive on this RPG backtrack. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, where we discuss computer and console RPGs from way back when right up to yesteryear. It's also the place where we can't pronounce any proper nouns, encourage spoilers, and the host can't remember the names of the games that we're talking about tonight. My name is Phil Willis. And I am known as Mike Minky in most circles, although there may be somewhere I am known as something else. And we welcome you to RPG Backtrack number 23. Get the point yet? We're going to be doing a full-scale retrospective on Steam games. I'm not even going to attempt to list them all right now. We'll wait to get till we get to that part of the podcast because there's just so many. First, let me introduce our wonderful and exciting panel of guests tonight. First up, Miss Becky. Howdy. How are you doing tonight, Becky? I'm doing all right. I remembered your name. You did. I, I, I think you've never had trouble with my name. I must be special or something. Yeah, it's because I have a cousin named Becky. Uh-huh. And, you, you know, you're the second wife to the boss. I wouldn't want to offend you. <laughs> However, Sam, on the other hand, is not related to the boss in any way, shape, or form. Welcome aboard, Sam. Mar something. You know, you know, I've been told that I'm apparently his mistress. Oh, hi, Sam Marcello. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good, Phil. Hi. And I can't believe you actually can say my last name properly. Oh, well, you know, you got to keep the boss happy. It's one thing you learn in business. And <laughs> coming, ba coming back for his fifth or sixth or 18th to try here on the newly revamped RPG backtrack, Mr. Tom Goodman. Seriously? <laughs> Goldman! Goldman! I'm sorry, slip of the tongue there. That's okay. I forgive you. Hello, everybody. I appreciate your forgiveness. How's it going tonight, Mr. Tom? It's going well. I just finished some food, and now I'm ready to speak about 
video games. Oh, we are ready to speak about them with you. Welcome back. At least you didn't call him Tom Green. That would have been even worse. Ooh, yeah. And we have two first-time visitors to the RPG Backtrack. First, from parts way out west, or east, or north or south, Mr. Paul Doohickey. Welcome to the show. Hello, Governor. How you doing, Mr. Paul? Oh, I'm doing all right, and Chicago's kind of in the middle of the country. Oh, so what? What's your like? What's your? What do you think your real name is? Uh, it's Angaman. Angaman. Okay, it's Doohickey for the rest of the show. So, tell us, Mr. Angaman. I mean, Doohickey. Uh, whatever. What What do you do at RP Gamer? <laughs> I'm the content monkey. So, if it's broken, I fix it. Usually. What What exactly and... do content monkeys do? Fix game pages, make new game pages, that sort of thing. Nice. Basically, so can... whatever Sam and I tell him to do. Yeah, oh. that too. <laughs> hey, can you ladies get him to make a God of War page? I'm telling you, it's RPG elements in God of War. No. Dang it. Um, <laughs> what's your What's your handle on RP Gamer so that the audience knows you when they see you in the chat channels and stuff? Sure. It's Keldaris. Keldaris. Where's that from? That's my druid's name from Warcraft. Ooh, World of Warcraft, one of my favorite games. Awesome. What server? Uh, Depends. There's like four. That's a shout-out to the Depends server. Everybody jump on right now and send <laughs> Kadoohickey a message right now. Send him inner game mail. Um, and, uh, well, give us, a, give us a brief overview of your gaming history. So I've been playing games since the Intellivision. Uh, my wow, I thought I was old. My parents had it when I was little, and then I poured orange juice on the controllers, and that was the end of that. Um, Not then so I got intelligent in with the orange juice. <laughs> I was like four or less. So um, then I had a Commodore, and then I got a Nintendo, and it's been all gaming since then. What's your what's your what's your favorite type of RPG? Like, do you prefer tactical RPGs, JRPGs? Um, uh, JRPGs probably are. Action RPGs, if they're good. What's your favorite RPG of all time? Um, that depends on the day of the week. Sometimes it's Final Fantasy four or six. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. That was the cutest sneeze I ever heard. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'd have to say Final Fantasy four or Final Fantasy six, depending on the day of the week. Final Fantasy six, you get to you get to stay on the show. Had you said seven, <laughs> I would have booted you off. Oh God, no. And that is a tip for our next new person. Welcome aboard, Scotty. Hey, I'm not wearing pants. But are you wearing a red shirt? That's the question. I need to know because if you're wearing a red shirt, I have to eject you from the ship. You it must die. Blue. Okay, blue. blue gets to stay on board. That's awesome. So, welcome aboard. What's your, what's your full name for the audience out there? Scott Walker. I'll call you Scotty. So... What what's your handle on RP Gamer and what do you do? Uh my handle is Foul Sorceress, not spelled how it sounds. Um <laughs> I write uh, saving throw <laughs> on a regular feature about tabletop games. <laughs> Sweet. I I used to play tabletop games way and way back in the day, unfortunately. Don't have the time anymore because I'm too busy reporting podcasts and playing StarCraft. So what is your favorite type of RPG? Um uh, Big fan of the Western ones, the odd tactical, and um, the occasional third-person looter. What's your? What was the first RPG that you really enjoyed playing? That would have had to have been um, 
Icewind Dale. <laughs> Ooh, one of my personal favorites. I I like that one very much. Kind of got rid of all that boring story that was in a way in Baldur's Game. Just let me tear things apart. That was awesome. And uh, which, what would be your favorite RPG of all time? Uh, I don't know if I could say an absolute favorite, but there's a definite top three. Uh, Baldur's Gate 2 is in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Planescape, and actually, I'm going to say one we're going to talk about in a few minutes. All right. Ooh, foreshadowing. Ooh, foreshadowing. Those are, those are three very, very excellent choices, in my opinion. You can stay on the show. Um, remember, if the host doesn't like you and agree with your game choices, it's say la vie. We're going to be back in a few minutes while our audience listens to this wonderful music to talk about a couple of PC games. We'll be right back. On the PC Pit Stop, we're talking about a duo of games that I'm going to need some help with here, guys, because it's on the PC. You think I would have played it, being a big PC fan, but I didn't. So what? It, what? It, I can't even pronounce this game properly. Who can help me out with this? Deus Ex. Thank you, Scotty. Scotty, can you give me more power? Tell me about Deus Ex. All right. So, um, Deus Ex came out in what the year 2000? Like. I know the 10-year anniversary was like a month ago or something. It was Dela- It was one of the three good games developed by Ion Storm, <laughs> um, and it's a first-person shooter uh, RPG hybrid where it takes place in a uh, not-too-distant cyberpunk future, and you take the role of uh, Mr. J.C. Denton. That- that's his code name. You can enter any name you want when you start the game. But it's coding it. But everyone's going to call you JC. As <laughs> so, I recommend using my handle, JC Servant, as your name. That way, when everyone's calling you JC, you kind of perk up. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, what's up? Go ahead. I actually said it was my real name was JT, JC Denton, which actually makes some of the uh, um, conversations in the game kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> you you turned yourself into a rather overt covert agent. <laughs> Yep. Well, it said I could keep the same name. Yeah. So you were saying? Okay, so uh, do we want to tackle the plot or the gameplay first? Well, you've already started talking a little bit about the story. Why don't you continue with that? Okay, so you start the game. uh, You're JC. You're an agent of UNATCO, which is the UN Anti-Terrorist Coalition something that ends in O. (laughs) I can't remember the whole (laughs) acronym. All the good uh, ones end in O. They do, they do. And uh, you start out with some terrorist bad dudes have taken over the wreckage of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, You bust your way in there, um, find out that the terrorists are trying to smuggle a cure for some sort of super plague out to the common people, because the plague has been... FEMA has reserved the plague for uh, the super elite of the world. The plague... um... 
Cure. The play Cure. And as you go through the game, you uh, explore more areas, and you end up on this globetrotting adventure where you discover that uh, FEMA is being manipulated by a renegade faction of the Illuminati called MJ-12. They're using the... They ma they're manufacturing the plague themselves. They're keeping the cure limited to um, sort of in a bid for control over the world's elite, at which point you and your brother defect to a terrorist organization then to the Illuminati, and you run around the world, like you go to Hong Kong and Paris, uh, and uh, Nevada, trying to bring MJ-12 down. Scotty, have you have you listened to an episode of RPG Backtrack before? Um, yes. <laughs> you have. So you know how we feel about spoilers. Yeah. Did you just give away some spoilers? Um... If that's not enough, uh, Scott Pilgrim dies but gets better. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> Come on now. Our audience does not have the time to go and play this game with, with StarCraft Two out, so you need to give away the whole plot here, okay? I, I, I don't want to have to remind you again. Keep going. That's really sort of it. Like it. That's really the whole story. You go from place to place, unraveling more details, sort of getting bits and pieces of a universal constructor so you can build your own plague cure building nanobots and distribute that, that to the world. And about uh, two-thirds in, you start to make contact with uh, this AI construct called um, Daedalus. And uh, it turns out that this construct is uh, approaching sentience, and it sort of wants to take over the world all Skynet style. Like it, It's already hooked in, up to the main communications hub for the world. And it needs a human host in order to uh, sort of att attain full sentience, take over the world, and uh, bring us into some sort of post-human utopia. At and it's at this point, towards the end of the game, in Area 51, where you get to sort of make your choice between multiple endings. Uh, Tracer Tong, who is your Illuminati... Um, sort of um, an element within the Illuminati who really isn't satisfied with the world wants you to just blow everything up and send the world back to the Dark Ages. Um, the Illuminati wants you to uh, kill the leader of the MG-12 before he can fuse with uh, the AI, at which point uh, the Illuminati will swoop in, seize control of everything, and, you know, run the world. Scott... And this this game came out June 26, 2000, which is almost exactly, actually a little bit more than 10 years ago. How do you remember all this plot? I replayed it um, when I suggested the game Deus Ex and you said it, um, you'd add it to the list. I sort of grabbed my CD copy, reinstalled it, because this is the rule of Deus Ex. If you talk about it, someone you talk about it will to will reinstall it. So I played through the entire thing um, in preparation for this episode. Very nice. So can you uh, can you tell us uh, tell tell me about the gameplay? Because I'm looking at the screenshots. It looks like a first person shooter. It, it is a first person shooter. It's entirely in first person perspective. What makes it sort of an RPG is um, when you encounter um, encounter non-hostile people, you can talk to them. There's little conversation trees, and you gain experience as you gain experience for killing dudes and exploring the areas and completing your mission objectives, you can put it into, I think, a dozen different skills. So you can go from... So you can get better at uh, pistols. Like, hey, hey, Becky. Sort of got the... Hmm? I'm sorry yes. to interrupt. Becky, did you hear what yes. he said? 
It yeah. plays just like a first-person shooter, but mm-hmm. you get experience points that you can put into skills. In yes. God of War, I kill things that gets me experience <laughs> points that I can put into skills. I'm telling you, God of War, I need an RPG page for it. Make it so. I'm, I'm sorry. God, the thing, thing that really makes this me. an RPG is uh, a little something called narrative agency, Phil. <laughs> what, what would that be? There's, there's narrative in, in God of War. He, yes, but narrative he's killing agency. killing stuff for a reason. Yes, narrative agency is when you, the player, get to decide how uh-huh. the story goes. Well, I don't have to beat up the monster. I can sit there and let it eat me, and then I'll get a different ending. <laughs> yes, it's called, yeah. Yes, you will. But in this, you can talk to people, and then the story goes different. Okay, all right. So, it, it, so this, so this is a this the the game. The battle mechanics are essentially a first-person shooter. Is there melee combat options? Yeah, but it, yes. it's still sort of a first-person melee where you uh-huh. just have a sword waving in front of you, and you can run up and stab them. <laughs> Paul, Paul uh, when, what, what's your history playing this? I played it uh, twice after it came out. Once I played it without killing anybody, and then the second time I. I killed everybody wait, 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 that wait. I could. You can play it without killing anybody? Yeah, that was uh, not... Uh, I was pretty sadistic you... when I did. That and it like was fun. very difficult. Is is there yeah. blood when you kill people? But yeah. You skip the yeah. blood? Yeah. Why? I, was, I don't know. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was a second playthrough. We have straight jackets for people like you, Paul. I know. Okay, don't want to hear about that again. Not only is there blood in the game, Phil, but uh-huh. uh, if you hit people with grenades, they explode into chunks. Oh, chunks! Okay, all right. This game's so, gone up a oh, notch you, on the radar. You willfully avoided violence the first time. Yeah, I used the uh, the little cattle prod that you get. That was kind of fun to use. Sam, Using a cattle prod is pretty violent, I'd say. Yeah, but it Not doesn't kill them. Blowing people up, but yeah, that's still violence. It doesn't kill. And here, them, I thought though. you were a pacifist, man. Oh God, no. <laughs> I dabbled in pacifism myself once. This was after not, of course. Who was it that was talking about watching the cartoons on YouTube? Was that you, Sam? Which cartoons? No, it wasn't you then. No, somebody was talking about watching old cartoons on, on YouTube. Maybe it was uh, one of the other ladies. It was it was one of the ladies. It wasn't you, Becky, was it? Nope. No, okay. If it was one of you two, I was going to say send them your, your copy of My Little Pony to Paul. <laughs> Might have been Noodle. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, maybe probably noodle. noodle if it involved My Little Pony. So, so Paul, <laughs> how did you did you enjoy the gameplay mechanics themselves? Oh yeah, I had a blast. It's one of my favorite PC games of all time, behind uh, Planescape. And and is that because of the? Is that just because the story is so good, or or did you also enjoy as far as the combat? Um, I really like the the whole cyberpunk dystopian future. And the combat, you know, it's mostly standard first-person shooter, but you can kind of sneak your way around and kill guys in different ways, so that was kind of fun. What about you, Scott? What did you feel about the gameplay? Uh, it is great. Um, I do like how um, you know, the, how the skill system really does have a major impact in how the game plays. Like, you can try using rifles with no points in it. You You, you won't succeed much, but you can try it. One thing I, I really want to praise this game for is the level design, because it's not designed like video game levels. Uh, all, all the locations are designed like actual places, so there's a lot of ways you can work around things. You can find alternate ac- entrances, you can sort of plot different routes. It's not like it's... A, a lot of sort of stealth-based games really force you into this sort of um, gauntlet of minor little puzzles and traps. 
And this one just sort of lets you play around. It's like, you can go in guns blazing, you can sneak around. You can go through the game without killing a single person. But you can also reduce them all to bloody chunks. It, it, it's, it's a, there's a lot of freedom there, and there are games that still don't let you do that. Mm. Becky, what did you think about all the exploding chunks flying all over the screen? Well, that doesn't bother me any. Um, I, I didn't get too, too far in the game, mostly because I kind of suck at shooters. But I also, um, I personally... Um, have trouble when they meld the first-person shooter with a skill system mm -hmm. because it's hard enough for me to play shooters, but when I'm playing a shooter and I'm still not very good at the pistol and I've aimed a freaking headshot, I want to get the freaking headshot, not not get the freaking headshot because I don't have enough skill points to put my pistols to max yet. That's uh, just me. Is, is, is this coming down to basically the problem that, I mean, the conversation that, that Glenn and Chris was, or Glenn and somebody was having on RPG Cast about that? What was that? Spy... Alpha protocol. Alpha, Alpha protocol. protocol. Is it yeah. one of those deals where you're aiming for the head, but it's rolling a dice behind the scene, so even if you're aiming for the head, you could miss? It, it's not dice, but um, depending on your skill, it adds a, either a little or a lot of wobble to your aim as uh, uh, yeah. before you shoot. And that's fine for people who are good at that sort of thing, but since I'm not, it's just not for me. I wouldn't say it's a design flaw. I would just say it's not for me. Does it, out of curiosity, does it, like, indicate your accuracy based on your skill point system by making, like, a circle bigger or smaller? Like, you see in first-person shooters, that circle gets bigger as you're running because technically you're less accurate? Yeah, yeah something like, like a that. Reticle. You've got sliders on the reticle that mm -hmm. show how yeah. accurate and inaccurate you are. How, uh, since, it's, since it's really kind of a first-person shooter based and, and whatnot, how does the graphics hold up today? They're, they're ugly, but there's a <laughs> block people. <laughs> Yeah, there's a patch out there. Somebody did that upresed all the uh, the textures and polygons. I think. Yeah. And I haven't tried it though. But uh, now, th being that it's an RPG, it's from 2000 on the PC. I expect it to have voice acting. Does it have voice acting? Yep. Yes. <laughs> um, I gotta love the performances because everyone's trying to be Christian Bale's Batman about eight years before Christian Bale was Batman. It's like, JC, you have to get, you have to stop these terrorists from taking over. All right, I'll do that. Give me the sniper rifle. Screw non-lethal options. <laughs> Don't forget the Russian lady. I oh, do not Russian trust you. I will not babysit you. <laughs> and then there's the German guy who's like, what do you mean you did not release me from the prison? You, you hog all the glory and kills. Uh, Wait, that sounds Austrian, not German. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't too concerned about being accurate either. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, I mean, so it really sounds like the real show winner here, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like the show winner here is really the, the story, and the fact that you have so, many, so much power over it. That and, that and the gameplay. <laughs> yeah. So you did like the first, you, you two liked the first person mechanics. Oh yeah. Yeah, they don't bother me. Okay. Hey Tom, didn't you say you'd played this? A long time ago, I don't, I don't really remember too much about it, other than just the multiple paths you can take through the game. Let's talk about its. Uh, let's talk about a sequel. We're running out of time here. Deus Ex: Invisible War. Um, that guy was released a few years, I believe, in 2003, December. And uh, you know, looking at some of the reviews and stuff, it didn't seem to do as good. Can you guys help me out with that? Let's start off with. Was everybody, uh, was everybody going to see the Return of the King instead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, did you try that one out? Yeah, it sucks. I don't like it. Ooh, why not? Um, 
Well, I played on the PC, and they they really made it for consoles. So they kind of took a lot of the PC stuff away, and made it pretty not fun to play on the uh, PC. So you're aiming with a controller instead of a mouse, maybe? Well, you can still use the mouse, but it just the the interface was wonky, and it just did not play right. Is it like Obl- I mean, I remember one of the things about Oblivion after playing Morrowind. Uh, Oblivion was designed for. It seems like it was designed a lot more for the console in mind. The way the the menus, instead of just being able to click at them, you had to use the arrows a lot, and the lettering was was bigger than it needed to be because you know television doesn't have as high of a resolution. Was it was it things like that, or was there more to it, as far um, as the irritation factor? That was part of it, and it just it didn't feel right. Like the whole feel of the game, it just felt consoley, and I can't play shooters on the console very well. Oh, yeah, so. I don't like console shooters either. So you get to stay on the show for another five minutes. Scotty, what did you think? Uh, I did play this on the console when it came out. Um, I think it's a good game, but it is not a good follow-up to Deus Ex, the original. Mm-hmm. Although, Becky, you should try this one because uh, they took out the skill system. So when you aim your headshot, you get your freaking headshot. <laughs> yeah, but is the story any good? Uh, yeah, story... talk about the story. It, it it's, takes place, I think, 20 years after, and they do foreshadow it in the first game. Like, in the last area, you find some cloning tanks. You, fi- you find out that JC's a clone, and you find some clo- cloning <laughs> tanks, and one of them is labeled Alex Denton. And the game starts off with you playing uh, the androgynously named Alex D. <laughs> you, this one lets you choose if you're a guy or a girl, or your skin complexion for some reason. <laughs> hmm. Odd. And, it picks up 20 years later, and it's sort of... And uh, the interesting thing is they sort of, uh, in the backstory, had all the multiple endings of the first game happen. So you had uh, JC merge with the, the Helios AI, which caused a dark age, which let the um, Illuminati start to claim control over the world. <laughs> hmm. And it mostly follows J- Alex uncovering the same conspiracy... Uh, that JC did in the first game. So you find out that the Illuminati is trying to run everything, that, and that uh, JC is trying to form this post-human crazy utopia. This time, actually, it, you get a lot more narrative control. I find like uh, different. There's a lot of factions you can join up with. There's a bunch of extremists who want to kill everyone who's been uh, cyber te- cybernetically augmented. There's um, the Omar, which are these really weird guys who are all about modifying themselves to survive in virtually any environment. And they just want you to kill everybody. (laughs) So what you're saying is next time it's $3 on Steam, I should pick it up, and then maybe I'll like it. Oh, yeah. I mean, now now did did you feel – well, first of all, let me me backtrack just a little bit. Did – did the first one feel like a complete story, or did it feel like it left this door wide open for a sequel? It, it felt very, very complete. Like, the the way the endings are presented are like, yep, that's that that's all she wrote. <laughs> okay, so the second one really does, you know, that's going to be something totally uh, different, or a sequel, or fills out some story, or what? You feel like it just kind of explained the world a little bit more, or, or this corporation, or... I, I think it took... I think they did a good job of looking at what happened in the game and sort of extending it. It's less tacked on than you'd think it would feel. Paul, did, did you, you said you didn't care much for the game and the feel of it, but what did you think about the story? Did you feel it was were you interested in the story? 
the story was good. It wasn't as good as the first one, but it was still, you know, a fun romp to get through. You know, aside from all the the annoying gameplay quirks, but playing through the story, it's worth it. I mean, especially for you know five or ten bucks. And speaking of five or ten bucks, yeah, those games are are on Steam. Uh, each one of them is for ten dollars. But I think it was Becky who mentioned that um, those um, those game uh, those games usually go on sale, and you can get. I've seen them on Steam. They have the DSX collection. I've seen that on sixty percent off, and you can get it for like six bucks or something. So it might might be worth. What, what would you guys say to the audience? Do you think they should go out there and get it now, or wait for a sale, or what? It's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, Steam has lots of sales, so pick it up on sale. Um, you know, pick. I think there's a demo for the first one out there. You can always try that. Okay, Scott, would you buy them both again? Uh, for ten bucks, yeah. All righty. All right. Well, that's that. Thank you, gentlemen, very, very much. That was a pretty thorough going over with plenty of juicy spoilers that will keep our audience entertained for ages. They're going to go back rewind just to listen to those spoilers all over again. Wait, Becky's a gentleman now. Gentleman, I can be, lady. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um. Well, you don't know what she does at night, do you? All right. So we'll be right back in just a few moments. We're going to talk about a lot of games. about a whole bunch of Sting games. There's a whole list of them. I'm not even going to go through the... Well, okay, we'll go through them really fast. Mike, tell us just real fast, what is the list of games we're talking about today? The Evolution series, Riviera, Yggdra Union, Baroque, Knights in the Nightmare, Hexes Force, Dokapon, Kingdom, I believe it is, and yeah, I'll be covering a couple of others that didn't come over, and I won't mention their names until the end because I like to keep you in suspense. I like suspense. I also like spoilers. You know, normally you save the best for last. So we're going to talk about my personal worst first. We're going to talk about everybody. Dokapon. Thank Dokupon. you. Seeing whether y'all were paying attention. Yes, everybody knows <laughs> how much I love Dokupon. It was one of the uh, early reviews I did when I first joined RP Gamer. I gave it a glowing two out of five. Who else has played Dokupon? Well, you played Journey. Yes, well, Journey. It's all you the same Journey. thing. Journey. This one's different. It's not that much different. You're rolling it's dice. You're going us. around a board. You're leveling it. Well, okay. Three of us played Dokapon Kingdom at my house, in fact. So we have now, a shared experience. Shared experience is a totally different animal. So let's let's start <laughs> off with the positive first. Becky, tell me about your shared Dokapon experience. <laughs> well, Dokapon Kingdom is a um, little board game. They call it the friendship-destroying game. Um, 
it's sort of a combat slash board game um, with uh, pretty awful graphics um, and a lot of general craziness. Um, it's on the Wii, and I've played it with a few groups of people. Uh, it's recommended to play it with um, three or more people. And Jack Daniels. <laughs> Lots of Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah, your, your yeah that helps Jack, too. Uh, Jim, Jose, any of them, that they're good. They're good friends for this game. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and I always play a rogue, so everyone hates me. Cheating. Yes. <laughs> Cheater. Cheater. Cheater rogue. <laughs> yeah, so I, you... I neglected to tell them about the thief before they started playing. In, in typical RPG fashion, if memory serves correctly, has it been a while? But I believe you make up a character cute little character you pick a class you give him or her a name um and then uh i I forget who goes first but essentially you're going to be rolling dice moving around a board as you as you move around the board you uh some of the spots you land on will cause you to get into combat with monsters the combat's pretty simple you pick attack or defend or whatever yeah it was kind of like a paper rock rock, that's right rock paper scissors oh this was one of my irritations because (laughs) (laughs) yeah you get into a rock paper scissors match if you do the right thing you do a lot of damage if you do the wrong thing you can take a lot of damage and in the tougher battles making the wrong decision there which is totally a blind choice can get you killed and send you way back to the castle um uh, but you do the right thing, and you can actually beat a monster that might be higher level than you and get some juicy experience points and level up uh, you know, faster than your friends. There's a lot of luck factor involved in this game, to be sure. So, uh, And then eventually you're trying to take over towns, right? Yep, yes. Every, every town is being guarded by some sort of boss monster. You beat the boss monster. Uh, you, you then become basically the owner of the town. It's like Monopoly. You start collecting some sort of rent on it. I believe it contributes to your income or something. Yep. Yeah. And whoever has the largest income is the person who is on top of the game. Right, right. Um, you can you as you're gaining levels, you're getting income, you can buy various things to help power your character even more, including items that will let you roll more dice, um, and do other things. Do y'all remember some of the items? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I remember. I remember. You, of course, you could buy like weapons and armor. You could buy, if I'm not mistaken, magic spell. Yes, you, you can, can buy yep. magic. You could buy a magic spell. Mm-hmm. You can buy traps, mm-hmm. and um, you can buy stuff that lets you steal things from other people. And I'm all about stealing things in this game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Rogues. <laughs> like rogues or thieves? I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you play, when you play a thief class, uh, every time you pass one of the other players on the board, you steal something from them. So they love you very much. Now, now, like you said, the, the, the point of the game was kind of get gold, and there was a way to kind of get that from other people. If you landed on another player, which requires rolling the right number, but if you land on them, you, you get to fight each other, right? And if you win, don't you get to take one of the other person's items or gold or something? Oh, there's more fun things to do, right, Sam? Yeah, Pranks. Sam, tell us about the fun things. When we were playing Dokapon, Becky, Scott, and I... Um, I got to play a prank on Scott, and his character had poop for hair. Poop for hair. Yep. yep. For a dozen turns. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you that... can get them bad hair, and you can write on their face. That's way more fun than stealing their stuff, which I can just do anyway. Okay. Yeah, I didn't run into that on the DS version. I don't know why that got stripped out. That's that's interesting. No, instead, what would happen is I'd run into an elf. And play. Uh, it would be a paper, rocks, and scissors game. And if I lost, then I lost all my gold, or half my gold, or something like that. 
All I know is it made me really cranky to lose so much gold so quickly, and all of a sudden I went from first place to third place. Did y'all have the elf? The evil little elf? No. No. Oh. They probably the elf is only on DS. <laughs> He's only on the DS version just to irritate the mess. And, um, and you know, and what, and, and, you know, and the thing was, it was based on a percentage. It wasn't like he just took 500 gold from you. Oh, no, no, no. It was half or something like that. Um, and so, you know, no matter how far in a lead you might think you are, losing half your gold, and, or I, I swear there was an event where you took another player's gold somehow. And... See, but the gold you have on hand is only a small amount of your fortune. Most of it's in property values, so at least on the Wii version. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah here, yeah, here I got a little note. Completing a quest from the king may lead to a reward uh, of one quarter of half of uh, – uh, uh, from one quarter to a half of an opposing player's gold. Therefore, no matter how large a lead may be, it can be cut short very quickly. But, I mean, yeah, you've got the properties, which have a value in and of themselves. Yeah, and if you put the money into the property, right. But then people can also steal your properties. But th th that feels a little bit more okay because at least they're stealing it from you, right? Well, yeah. The thing about Dogapon is that, um, you know, it's such an unpredictable game. You go through the motions and you're stealing properties from people. I mean, I had an instance where I was in dead last the whole game. And then all of a sudden, I stole, I think it was the giant castle. I beat the boss in there and went, like, right up to second place. So, I mean, it, it, it fluctuates. The more you steal, the more you, you swipe properties. Swiping properties can be pretty challenging, though. It, it, you know, I mean, and maybe it was the DS version which had that element. It definitely certainly had that element. So if you, you know, but let's say I wanted to steal the castle from somebody. Part of the challenge, yes, doing it was a challenge. Part of the challenge was was that you had to roll the right number to land on the town to begin with and that could take several turns unless of course that's why i always carried like half you only got to carry like six items or something like that so at least half of my items would be dice items to give me a better chance to roll those numbers because it was kind of hard what do you think scott um honestly uh yeah there's there's a lot of stuff that's really annoying about the game but in terms of sort of a wii party game i will take it over mario party any day because when you lose out, most of the time you can admit that it was you lost out fairly, and if you win, you can say you won fairly. Mario Kart it, or Mario Party is outright socialism at this point. It's like, oh, you failed at every game so far. Have a pile of coins and a star. Now you're in second place. Oh yeah, well Mario Party would drive me crazy for the same reason. Like you know, there were if you won the right event, all of a sudden you get a free star, two free stars, or there was a way to steal stars from other player, and it was totally some of it was felt very very random to me. And then at the end of the game, you're right, they would reward stars for the most stupid things sometimes. Uh, you're right, kind of felt like so you know socialism. So, but you felt that this game was better than than that. that this one had less of a random element. Then there's a lot it's of luck, still... but. Was it uh, what was it less frust was it I don't know I, I kind of feel frustrated when I'm in first place I've been working hard and then all of a sudden somebody gets a lucky roll um, or something I mean someone used some cunning and trickery that's that's one thing if someone rolled a lucky number or did you know really good in just one mini game then I might feel kind of you know I mean how does this feel compared to that's a good question because these are the two party games that are out there how does this feel compared to Mario Party anybody. <laughs> Never played Mario Party. What? I'm not. Mario I'm not Party a fan is... of Mario Party. It, it's okay. junk. It's dreck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least yeah, I, I was never interested in it because I've I've seen like the 
the the peeled skin on people's palms from trying to do the GameCube mini game and stuff. So I was like, that doesn't look like fun. Okay, okay like refresh injury. my memory. There are how many Mario parties now? Nine, ten? Nine or ten. ten. Yeah. It it, dep- it gets weird because the there's DS ones which aren't numbered. I don't think. So like the main series is up to ten, and then there's a couple ones on the DS or GBA. I mean, uh, and I and I to help. To, let me let me just kind of put some perspective into this. We're comparing it to Mario Party, and I think that's one good scenario because that's the one a lot of people, gamers can relate to. But if I was to use something that probably no one knows about, Coldcept. Have any of y'all played Coldcept? I think I've, I've seen played it. the demo. I played the demo for Coldcept Saga. Well, and basically, Coldcept is Monopoly meets Magic: The Gathering. So you're moving around yeah, a board. You, you use monster cards to buy the property, so to speak. So when your monster's guarding the property, um, it becomes yours. And if somebody lands on it like Monopoly, they'll have to pay rent. You can upgrade it like Monopoly. Where the where the uh, versus element comes in is if somebody lands on your property, they can play a monster card to fight your monster. There's a bit of poker involved because you can lay down one item card to buff or debuff uh, your monster, the enemy's monster, whatever have you, or do some sort of special effect. Um, everyone knows the cards in each other's hands, but the question is whether or not you're going to actually use that card in a particular battle is that a battle really something that you you know if it's just for a a cheap property you're not going to want to waste your precious item but you know so there's some poker involved when you're watching some when you're playing against another player so there's a degree of randomness in the fact that just like monopoly if you roll the wrong number land on the wrong property you're going to be broke but and but there's also a degree of you can get ahead very quickly by cunning because if you land on somebody's property, you can be in last place. But if you land on somebody's property and it's the one they've dumped all their money into, which the more money you put into a property, not only is the more rent you can collect, but the more powerful the monster is going to become. And and if you win that battle, it's like whew, this big shift. But you felt that that shift happened because that other person outthought you or he conserved or he – you know, wait until last minute as opposed – in Doki Pond, I felt like every single thing had to do with luck. If I want to go capture the town, I have to roll lucky number to land on it. When I finally get the lucky number to, to land on it, I have to fight a monster and pick one of three choices. If I pick the wrong choice, I lose. If I pick the right choice, I win. If I pick the middle choice, it comes down to my level. It, it just felt like everything in the game, if I want to go attack another character, I got to roll the number to land on him just about. I mean, you all didn't, didn't feel that? It was really about goofing around and putting poop on people's head, Phil. Like, oh, okay. Like, the game is not the game. The game is hanging out. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Yeah, Wait, Phil, you were playing it alone, weren't you? That, that was the problem. Sense. I have no friends. I'm a sad, sad person. <laughs> no friends to play Dokapon with me. Okay, now, so this is, this is the caveat. Do not play Dokapon Kingdom if you are a lonely, lonely person who cannot get anyone else to help you play it. <laughs> this yeah. Hell- live through it and whatnot. And, and also do not play Dokapon Kingdom alone with your spouse. Not a good idea. Yeah, and I mean, and I did, you know, I even put that in the final paragraph of my view. Um, I even said um, that, you know, I, I emphasized the random element, how it's really integrated to almost every aspect of the game, but if you're playing with multiplayer, some of the frustrations mitigated depending on the friends you're playing with. And it makes more sense on the Wii. I really think that on the Wii, where you have a lot of people around a console and a TV and some pina coladas, I, you know, I, I think you're going to have a much, much more enjoyable experience. And some when the, some of that funny stuff, you know, you know, comes out of the blue. As long as you, you know, it's it's funny, you know. But when you're playing against the computer, not so much. No one laughs when the computer gets a lucky roll. <laughs> so, um, quick, uh, quick go around. We won't wait till the end to do the go arounds. Would you guys give it a thumbs up or thumbs down, Becky? Um, a provisional thumbs up if you have people to play it with, and even then, it's not something you're going to play out a lot. Ah, 
Uh, I can't remember if Mike and Paul play this, guys. I oh. haven't played it. Okay, Sam. you, Tom? <laughs> the Wii version was alright, but I only played it by myself, so I don't know. Thumbs <laughs> middle. Thumbs middle. <laughs> Horizontal thumb. Scott. Uh, conditional on having the right group of people to play with. And Sam. Poop. <laughs> Fair. Well. Fair enough, what, Mike. What does the poop rating translate to on a some other scale, Sam? <laughs> Two turns up. <laughs> Two floaters, right? That'll work. That Two, works. Fl- Two floaters Two in the toilet. bowl. <laughs> Hold on a second. I need to go have a pickle floating in water. Okay. Mike, why don't you take us into evolution? Okay, yeah, I'm not sure if anybody else has played these, so I'm probably going to be talking about them briefly because these are really Sting's low point. The first evolution game was the first Dreamcast RPG, and as we all know, if you have the first RPG on a system, it's usually not anywhere close to the best. Uh, The main thing that's notable is that your characters have some interesting names. You have Linear Cannon, Mag Launcher, you have the butler, Grenade, you have Pepper Box. Uh, I can't remember the other names, but you get the idea. These are some interesting armaments to name yourself after, but the game they're in is just plain... Everybody loves the standard turn-based battle system where you just whack things until they die and then you go up and do it again, right? Because that's what you get. Oh, but Evolution takes it to another degree. It has random dungeons. Everybody loves those, right? Uh, Except for me. Go ahead. (laughs) Procedurally generated content. Yep, randomly generated content. And a final boss that even though the game is really, really short, if you play it straight through, you can probably beat it in under 10 hours. The final boss took me a lot of grinding to beat. So that's a significant negative. And, yeah, there's not much else to say about Evolution. It was the first Dreamcast RPG, and like most other first RPGs on systems, it uh, hasn't aged well at all. And then, probably as a rush job to get it out before any other Dreamcast RPGs came, Evolution 2 came less than a year later, and, well, the dungeons aren't random anymore, but they're still pretty darn boring. Uh... Not much has changed. The graphics might look a little better. It was hard to tell. Uh, Ubisoft, I believe, was the translator, and Ubisoft thought, as all great translators do, that when you localize a game, you should just subtitle the dialogue and give you no option for English because that's what the American audience wants. We all know that. Americans love subtitles. Um, And the plot is slightly more involved than... Linear Cannon is an ancient doomsday weapon, even though she looks like a four-year-old girl. So, of course, she is your heroine. Uh, yeah, you get a you get an evil guy named Yurka, who has really long sleeves. That's his gimmick. He has long sleeves, and as we all know, that's evil! Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's about it. As for Evolution Worlds... Well, that was a remake of both games slapped onto the GameCube, which kind of needed the RPG content, even if it was pretty lousy, and I never touched that one. Anybody else know about Evolution? No. Well, after the visit... 
Well, after his visit to the Canary Islands, Charles Darwin theorized that uh, different animals would adapt to their environment to better suit it. That's what I know about yes. evolution. I, I wish the Galapagos Islands had been a visitable location in either evolution game. They would have been fun. Turtles. <laughs> so, yes, evolution. Neither game has held up very well, and I don't know about evolution worlds, because... Here's how much the game dragged, Evolution 1. They cut out three of the five dungeons. and But, yeah, not having played that game, I can't say whether cutting all that stuff out to improve the pace actually worked. Although I understand that it was actually dubbed over instead of subtitles only that time. <laughs> so, there we go, Evolution. Mm, sounds like a part of, the, of, of their past that they'd rather leave behind. <laughs> Don't ask me what Sting was thinking at the time. I have no idea, and no one else apparently does either. So, may do people want to remember Riviera? That's the question I have. Sam doesn't, but most other people seem to. <laughs> Sam, is there something you want to tell the audience about Riviera? Riviera put me to sleep. What? It has cute little characters and it has an original uh, approach to combat and dungeon design, doesn't it? Hate. <laughs> Sam, why don't you in a very lovingly hate fashion tell us about Riviera and what makes it stand out? And then you can give us your opinion. I fell asleep. I told you that. <laughs> but you played deep into the game at least enough to you can't yes, play I did. that game asleep, Sam. You must have remembered something. So, I, um, and I know you probably blocked it out of your memory, but I want you to regress into your childhood here and tell the audience what is Riviera. Yes, her childhood of two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, Riviera is a neat take on uh, Norse mythology. Um, you know, it's got Valkyries and, you know, mythical weapons of mass destruction and um, the characters are kind of, oh my god, the most boring thing ever, and people who know me very well know that if I can't get into the characters, that's a problem. Can't get into the story, that's a bigger problem. Truthfully, I don't really know what it was about Riviera that just didn't click with me, especially because, you know, I, I was talking to Mike about it, and he even said, he goes, you know, this is such a story-driven game. Why aren't you enjoying it? I and mean, truthfully, I really can't explain it other than my hate for the actual gameplay. I think that's really what hindered it. I'm sure the story's fine and maybe the characters get better, but the gameplay was the one thing that really hindered my enjoyment and caused me to put it down. Ooh. Hey, I can speak to that. It was. It took me a while to get used to because you don't move anywhere. You just pick an option to move between screens, and you never use the D-pad to directly move yourself. That can be polarizing, I admit. Well, that's awkward, I think, is a better word for it. Mike, uh, tell, tell, tell us a little bit more about how... I mean, that's a little bit about the interaction. Tell us a little... You know, is there anything else about the interaction we should know about, and what about combat? Well, interaction... Yeah, you choose everything from a menu. You never use the D-pad or buttons directly. You always have to choose an option from a menu. Um, as for combat, it's it's a turn-based system with pretty strict limits. Uh, 
every action you take has a wait time associated with it, and you can tell pretty quickly the turn order for each battle. Plus, the number of actual battles you fight is pretty small. You need to use a practice mode to make yourself more powerful because the number of enemies you face in real combat is small enough that if you try not to grind, if you tr try to go without grinding in practice mode, uh, you're probably going to get the floor mopped with your face. Um, as for the structure, yeah, I enjoyed the combat. Uh, each character has affinities with different weapons and can use an overdrive meter to use more powerful attacks, either by inflicting or taking damage. And the enemies have their own overdrive meter, which they'll gladly throw in your face if you have just done a devastating combo attack. Um, and the story... Well, I played through the game five times, so that should tell you something about me enjoying the story. And Paul has played this too, so he doesn't get to talk as much as me. Why doesn't he take it for a little while? Yeah, I played the game. I liked it. Um, I thought the story... It, it's slow. If you're expecting something fast-paced, you're playing the wrong game. Everything is very slow and methodical. Uh, practice mode becomes your best friend. And What is I like practice the, mode? That's where you go and grind and and level up your weapons and items to get better stats on your characters. Yeah, I it's should mention that this isn't quite the same as most other games where you don't gain direct experience, you gain affinity with an, a weapon or an item, and when you've mastered it, your that character's stats go up. And practice mode just throws you against enemies you've already seen as many times as you need before you've mastered all the weapons available and can move on. How long does that typically take between a typical level? Do you normally have to spend grinding? Depends on uh, the uh, item. I guess like some items are like three times you got to use it on that guy, and then some are up to like 10 or 12. Yeah, it usually depends upon how skilled a character is with that weapon. Uh, Ayn, your main character, is most skilled with swords. So any sword you find is going to require a few more uses from him to master because he can bust out the most powerful moves with it. Sam, I understand this mode kind of bothered you a little bit. Why? Personally, it's just the fact that this is how you have to grind in the game. I just, I hate that. I wasn't having fun with the practice mode to begin with. So when the game said, you need to use practice mode to, you know, you know get better levels and whatnot, I was just kind of like, no thanks. I don't want to waste my time doing the same thing over and over again without feeling like I've made any progress. And it's not like it's visible progress, and I think that was what was bothering me, because at least when you have to grind, right? You see the enemies on the screen, you beat them, you continue to do some exploration. So the fact that this game is menu-based, there's like little to no exploration in it. So it doesn't... So grinding really does feel like a chore, as opposed to feeling like at least that, you know, you can explore while you grind. Tom, I understand you might also have a couple noises. Does it have to do with the practice mode as well, or what What was bothering you? No, I actually like the practice mode. I just thought it simplified grinding. Um, the thing that bothered me is how the way you explore, and I don't, I don't think someone mentioned this yet, but the way you explore is you get these, uh, what, TP? Attack, what are oh, they? Oh, yeah. If Trigger you do points. well in battle, you get enough tech points to explore, and if you do badly, then you don't get very many, so you have to use them carefully. 
Right. In the battles that aren't practice battles, you get the trigger points, and you can't explore if you don't have them. So you have to randomly choose um, which um, specific points you can use them on. Like you might pass by a statue or like you look up in the sky and you have to randomly choose what to use them on. And if you choose the wrong thing, like the characters will just say, it's a pretty moon or something like that. And you're like, okay, great. I just wasted a trigger point. Yeah, so I, don't, I, didn't really, I didn't really like the random aspect there because... You know, one you could get like a really great item on; the other you could just look at the sky. So that's mm -hmm. what bothered me. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna be wrapping this up in a minute. But I want to give Sam one more chance at bat here. Did you have something else to add? There's one other thing about the game that we haven't mentioned yet, and that's the fact that um, when you have to do something that's an action sequence, those were are by far one of the other reasons why I put the game down. So the action sequences, they come up when you have to disable a trap or um, if you have to successfully, you know, jump, jump over something. Falling. Yeah, you have to put the actions in. Well, you see it for, barely, like, flash for less than 30 seconds. And if you don't put that thing in, like, it's an immediate fail. Now, as someone who doesn't have as fast reaction time, like, I frequently failed. And even when I put the code in right, the game told me I failed. <laughs> so... You know, stuff like that. I don't have the patience for that. I really yeah, don't. Yeah, those sequences are very much like having to input a fighting game move. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, if you don't have a quick reaction time, those things will mess you up. And you'll be sitting there and going, okay, I'm pretty sure I put this in, but now I failed. Hmm, my team is poisoned. Good job. <laughs> like, it's... I did not like that one bit. <laughs> Scotty, you there? All right. Yeah. I understand. I've... I understand. You, you know, you got uh, you've got a viewpoint of one of our world famous RP gamer reviewers that you'd like to share with us before we uh, we do a quick go around. Uh, Jesse Cherry has reviewed the PSP version of this. Um, doesn't have a hell of a lot to say. He seemed to think it was fairly average. My one complaint about this is this man needs to make friends with a spell check. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. So what was the highlights of the game from um, his viewpoint? I'm not seeing any of the little plus or minus things, so this may predate that aspect. I of think it reviews. does. Omega introduced those in the last couple of years, as I recall. All right. Um, oh, and before we move on, there's one aspect that we haven't mentioned, which is the, the romancing system, sort of, where event pretty quick, Ayn will be the only guy in your party, and he will be surrounded by four females as the game goes on, and they're, you get to answer a whole bunch of questions. Just be nice to them, and don't treat them like jerks. And you can get a variety of endings, depending upon which girl likes you best at the end. There you it's go. It's cute. That's one of the reasons I tried to play through the whole game, because I wanted to see the multiple endings. That and... Every time you do better, you get a different ver item count, and this was back when I actually tried to max out everything in games I played. I have, <laughs> I have since passed from that phase, but I had 98% uh, of the items in the game or something because it keeps a handy list for you. Uh, so overall, uh, Mike, thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, definite thumbs up. I don't oh. play through games five oh. times unless I like them. Right. 
You give it five thumbs up. You use your toes and a pinky. Paul. I give it a thumbs up. I had a good time with it, even though it was slow. It's easy to play for 10 or 15 minutes before bed. Sam. I think we know how Sam (laughs) (laughs) Not Uh, into it. (laughs) um, Scott. Didn't play. (laughs) Tom. I give it another thumbs middle. But higher than the Dokapon. Like, so it's sort of 45 So it's kind degree. of floating in the toilet, but it's not quite to the top. <laughs> no, a 45 degree thumb up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Becky. Uh, I'd also like to mention that this game has some very nice music. There are about a dozen battle themes, and they're all pretty good. And the environment themes are very catchy. And particularly for the Game Boy Advance, which is the version I played, they sound really good. Becky, you've been sitting there being quiet, taking, absorbing all of this wisdom. And gameplay experience. Yeah, what I thought do I you... was reading the Steam thread on PennyArcade.com. Okay, thumbs up on the <laughs> Penny Arcade thread on Steam. All right. So, <laughs> Mike, is there is there another Riviera game we're supposed to talk about? Well, it's pretty much the same on PSP. I got oh, PSP a, version. A, a different, a new scenario was added at the end, but since I didn't play the PSP version, I can't comment on that. But and being... I think some of us did. Be, being the being the uh, yeah I, I don't believe there was a lot of difference I mean I was I read both of the reviews and stuff and I I didn't see anything jump out at me but uh, isn't there some voice acting added for PSP There's a little yeah. bit of yeah. voice acting and stuff I mean essentially I think they made some improvements too didn't they to the gameplay uh, I think another game I I think you're thinking of the next one we're supposed to be talking about because the gameplay, as far as I know, is pretty much unchanged on PSP. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, being the thrifty guy that I am, I've taken a moment to look up those prices online. You can get the Game Boy Advance version for about $20. The PSP version, I'm talking about used copies, uh, the PSP version is slightly less than that. So, you've heard the panelists go and make your decision about Riviera. Um, we have already covered Baroque in a previous backtrack, but I know we have some new panelists on this time, so I want to keep this short, um, but I do want to give everybody who didn't have a chance to chime in about Baroque the last time we talked about, which was only a, a show or two ago, I wanted to give some new people a chance to speak, uh, to speak about it. So let's start with Becky. <laughs> Would you like to think that over? <laughs> I I didn't is, play a whole lot of it. Is, um, is that your final was, answer? <laughs> I thought it was ugly, brown, and boring. Also provided no direction, and maybe it would have been interesting, except for the fact that I was not interested in playing it through to see the supposed weird endings. I don't know. I hated it. I sent it back to the rental agency. <laughs> oh, I know Tom wants to talk a bit about it. Um, what do you what what are your thoughts on Baroque, Tom? I actually liked it. Um what I've played of it, which was probably a good ten, twelve hours or so. At first I was like, you know, everybody talks about how they don't like it and I was like, Okay, well I'll give it a chance anyway. And um it's a roguelike. I don't know, did someone say that? But Mm-mm. it's a roguelike. So really the fun in most roguelikes tends to be the interaction with the items you find and um, I just found myself when you actually, my first reaction uh, 
my tendency when I play a game is to save, you know, you save your good items for when you really need them. But in Baroque, you, you find so many that you have to use them. Like, you're, you're just throwing, like, your coats at the enemies, so your armor at enemies, so they get hurt. Um, but what I like the most is, um, like, there's, an, there's items where you summon all enemies to your room on a certain level. And then you can also find these discs that might, like, electrocute everything, or an item that, like, lights everything on fire, or an, an item that will improve the amount of experience points you get. Um, or an item that might make you invincible. So it's the combinations of those items will allow you to like find uh, really, really interesting and fun, you know, combinations. Um, that's what I, I, I really liked about it. Um, the story was kind of I wasn't into having to figure out the story on my own or anything. Or, uh, you know, the graphics were kind of kind of crappy, and I guess the the combat itself was kind of a little bit garbage but what it was those you... interactions with the items that I, I really thought was fun trying to figure out new things to do it, it seems that opinions on Baroque are very uh, uh, very polar from one another you either find people that absolutely hate it or love it why do you think that the people who don't like it uh, dislike it so much and why why did you not see that as, as big of a, a, a holdback well, I, I completely see the reason why people hate it. It's because it doesn't tell you what to do, and it's really it's really unforgiving. Like um, one playthrough, I was just walking along, I accidentally stepped on this disc on the ground. The, these discs are things when you step on them and they're face up, they might have a positive effect. If they're face down, they'll have a negative effect. So I stepped on one, and you know I didn't even see it because it's it's also hard to kind of see items on the ground. And all of a sudden, the the only weapon I had was turned into like a piece of meat. So I was just running around with no weapon, trying to find find another one. Um, so it's really, really unforgiving. Also, the the very first time I booted up the game, I accidentally threw one of my items off a cliff. So like, cause I, I was just learning the controls. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's not really friendly to players in any way. It's it's the same thing with the story. You have no clue what you're supposed to be doing. The I don't know if it's the translation or just the whole point of the story that that um enemies just talk and babble and weird catchphrases. Um but you just have no idea why you're playing. But I was just once I looked looked past that and and actually tried to figure out um where the fun was because I had heard there was fun in it I actually was able to find it and I think people just aren't willing to to try to do that because there's such a learning curve yeah and now and I'll point out that we had we had two um, staff members review this uh, Sean uh, Kepper who uh, I, I talked to on a regular basis this day a good friend of mine and as well as Mr. Glenn Wilson um, and you know the thing about RP gamers reviews is that we uh, we have a standard that you have to play the game all the way through to the end. So you can't just play a game for an hour or two, say I don't like it, and write up a bad review. And and, and so in this particular case, both both guys actually, one gave it a 3.5, the other one gave it a, a 4. And getting a 4 from Glenn is saying something. So I would definitely encourage you, our readers, if you're even somewhat interested, if you like if you like roguelikes, if you like something that's really, really off the wall, because you know we talked about this at the, uh, on the older backtrack as I mentioned before but it really is something you want to go ahead and read the reviews that these guys have written on and uh, because it sounds like if you can just put the time to get over that hump it sounds like it paid off of course Becky what do you think about this 
Well, I think you have to be interested enough to want to get over the hump, and if you're not, eh. I just like, I like Baroque because I like to bug uh, Glenn because he hates Zuckerman and I hate Baroque. It's our thing, but he's not here, so it's sad. Two two floaters to the bottom for you? They're not floaters if they sink to the bottom, so those would be two sinkers. Two floaters back to the rental service. (laughs) And Tom gives it? I give it a thumbs up if you're willing to, uh, I don't know, if you're looking for like a big challenge and... Oh. And you can get, I have a thumbs up. You can get the and you can get that on your Wii or your PS2, uh, used for about fifteen dollars or less actually. So uh, definitely check it out. Check out a review at rpgamer.com. Um, Mike. Yeah. Are we are we ever gonna get left behind? Do we leave people behind? Do we ever fight alone? Huh? Do we ever fight alone? No, we don't, Our... because in Idra Union, you never fight alone. Gosh, oh, try to do a segue. Goodness gracious. Idra, <laughs> U- Idra Union will never fight alone for the Game Boy Advance, and I believe it was also on the PSP, I think? Yep. Yes, it was. I can talk about the Game Boy Advance. Others can talk about the PSP. Take it away, Mr. Minky. Idra Union is a tactical game which uses cards. But cards do not mean that you go and collect a thon. The cards get stronger as you use them. The cards dictate each as each action you can take. They dictate how far you can move each turn. There's a number on each card that dictates the total move range for your entire team of that turn. Beyond the cards, you've got the sort of the rock, paper, scissors thing of Fire Emblem with the same strengths and weaknesses. You've also got if a woman initiates battle and anyone is within straight lines of her they can join in for a gigantic combat because you can only fight one battle per turn and that goes for the enemy too but if you join everyone in combat then that makes for one big big fight and if it's a man then anybody standing in a diagonal range from him will join in um I should also mention on the Game Boy Advance this is pretty hard but fortunately the game has a nice means of uh, accommodating you to that. If you lose, then you can restart that battle and all of the enemy stats will go down. And if you lose again, you can start it again and the enemy stats will go down some more. I lost many times, so I know this for a fact. They will eventually go down to rock bottom, and hopefully you will be able to win. Uh, Hmm. So it's very tactical. You have to clearly think your way to line things up in battle uh, because I believe oh, if yes. I'm not mistaken the way the enemy if you if the enemies line up a certain way could that be bad for you? Yes. yes. Ideally you will manage to position yourself so that the enemies can't form a union but sometimes that's just not possible. Um, one other aspect that I didn't mention is when you first initiate a, a battle your guys will charge out and smack the other guys all the way across the screen. Then they, then whoever's left on their side will come around and smack you back over to your side of the screen. And then you'll just whack each other for a while. But your commanders sometimes have abilities that they can use depending upon the card that you're using. And the only way to use the, the abilities is to charge up for a while. And doing that means that you're taking it easy on the enemy 
which you can hopefully survive in order to bust out with the big move or whatever your plan could do. And I could go on, but I played it a little less recently, I think, than Sam, so she can take it for a little while. Okay, so I played the PSP version. Truthfully, I mean, judging from what Mike said, there really isn't a lot of differences with the game. Um, You lose a few times. You get to have a nice little easy mode. I love the easy mode. It's still not easy, right? It's still not easy, but it's a little bit better. Part of what makes Yggdra Union a lot of fun is, is the fact that you have so many cards, and you can use the cards however which way you need to. But, um, you know... Oh, crap, I lost my train of thought. But using the cards, you know, as long as you have equipped them to you know the right person, determines the amount of damage or um, usefulness. Oh, yeah, God. as you use the cards, yeah. they grow in attack power, and if you try to bust out with something you haven't been using, then it'll be pathetically weak. Oh, I had that happen many a times. Especially because there's one boss in particular that you have to fight a few times, actually. And Are you talking about only... our friendly neighborhood Emperor Gokasa? I am. The one who actually destroys his gauge. I hated that man. He was so cheap. <laughs> yes, Gokasa is fun for so many reasons, not least of which is that he has a weapon which does not obey the triangle. It is strong against everything. Yep. So Gokasa yep. will rip you apart because his special attack is pretty much either I kill you instantly or I don't. And most of the time he will kill you instantly. Isn't yeah, that his, nice? His his attack is really random. I mean, and it's kind of appropriate that it's called genocide. The genocide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's his move. That's magic. I, I actually love the fact that this game uh, also makes well use of its classes. Like, I believe her name is, is it Elena or Elaine? She's a oh, ninja. Yeah. yeah. She's a ninja. So she's got all kinds of different assassin abilities. So if you equip cards that really don't help her in being an assassin, uh, she dies instantly. Like, th- that's the one thing. You have to really watch where you place your cards in this game. And you really have to look at the characters that you're using on the battlefield to determine what cards you pick. I don't know how many times I had Elena out there and I'd be like, why isn't this card working? And then I'd realize it's not really useful for her. Like, this is one of those games where if you're not paying attention at the beginning, yeah, you're going to probably be wondering why you're losing a lot. And I don't know what it was for me. Like, it took me a little bit, but once I got into it, like, I was having a blast playing it. Plus, the characters are really fun, and the story's quite engaging for a tactical RPG, which, you know, most tactical RPGs are pretty simplistic stories for the most part. But mm-hmm. Princess yeah, Idris... Mention, this is This is the only game I've ever seen where... You control someone named Nietzsche. Although this Nietzsche is nothing like the German philosopher. Talk about Nietzsche, Sam. She's a mermaid. (laughs) Well, she's a Nundine, but Nietzsche talks in the third person, which is... I'm not a fan of characters who speak in third person. And uh, she's actually quite powerful, depending on uh, how well you train her. She can actually do a lot of damage. But, I mean, I know for me personally, I didn't use her as much as uh, as I used some of the other characters. But the few times that you're forced to use her, if you haven't built her up, you're screwed. Oh, <laughs> really screwed. Like, she dies instantly. 
Okay, so here's a question for you all. Um, it sounds like the game's pretty impressive as far as some of its, you know, tactical complexity. You have to consider weapon considerations. You have class considerations. You have formation considerations when you're in the actual battles and whatever have you. There's the cards you were mentioning. This this sounds like it can be a lot to take in. Does the game or and or the manual do a sufficient job of explaining all this to you, or is this something you're going to need to look up some the, FAQs for? The first for? few battles consist pretty much of tutorial stuff tutorial where you're going to learn about it. I think you can cancel it, but I didn't try because it was my first time, and I didn't yeah, want no, to cancel it. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't do that either. No, the all the first couple battles are all tutorials, so you don't really have to worry about the game throwing you into like a hot mess. It, it's it pretty much guides you through it, so you shouldn't have to worry too much. Like it's actually like it, it sounds complex on paper, but it's one of those games that once you start plugging in the commands, it's very easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom. Yeah, yes. I think you've played this, haven't you, Tom? Do yeah. you have Do you have anything you'd like to add about Idra Union? Um, 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 I think it's a really cool game. <laughs> so we talk. You, you, uh, what did you like most of it? I mean, it sounds like it sounds like it's a pretty complex battle system, and, and yet surprisingly enough, um, usually when I see games with complex battle systems, a lot of times I'll hear from the gamers, "Oh, it's needlessly complex or too complex." But despite everything that Mike and Sam has thrown at me, they gave it, you know, sounds like they're pretty happy with it. What, what did you think about the combat system? Um, it was very uh, strategic with, with all the cards and the different types of units. And with you also uh, had to manage your positioning. Like some, uh, like with the, the combo system, uh, it would draw in your opponents that were either, if it was female or male, if they were like um, to the, to the, left and right and the top of you or or like the other was like diagonally of you the other unit I forget if it was male which was male which was female but so you'd always have to be managing not only positioning but also where your units were around you um but I I would like to say that Golcasa did annoy me very much he was very tough he was just cheap more than tough because once he busted out genocide there was a 50-50 chance you were surviving and in most cases it always fell in his favor. Yeah, and we should mention other... that if either Yggdra or Milanor dies, then you lose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's one and other. You have to take them into every fight. Yeah. There's one other character, like one other boss fight I remember that really drove me crazy, and it was that stupid witch girl mm-hmm. whose name is escaping me, but she was notorious okay. for. Yes. Yes, that's the one. She drove me crazy because she would always manage. She'll be one. She'd always be the last one standing, but would always be able to bust out her power move, and it would like wipe you clean, and you'd just be like, "Okay, I thought I had this stupid fire spell of doom." Uh, I, I like how the pages in this game were mean. Had Russell join you instead of Rosary, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Ah. I had Russell. The guy who looked like a big jerk to me, so I went with Rosary. Who also looks like a jerk, not so much of a jerk. Yeah, I was just going to say the item system worked better than in Riviera, because you, you could find items like wandering around the field. I, I was kind of like when there's little secret stuff like that to find. Oh yeah, I remember one thing in the GBA that was very annoying, which is that once you put an item on a character, you can't take it off, which is 
which which is ameliorated by the fact that uh, items last a certain number of battles and then they disappear. Did that change at all for PSP? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Tom, do you remember? I played it on GBA. Oh, crap. <laughs> Don't! <laughs> I'm assuming it wouldn't have changed, because that's a pretty... No, probably not. I, I don't remember it changing in any way. Um, and I don't remember oh, it oh, being... Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Mike. Okay, well, there's one very important thing we haven't mentioned. You don't really lose hit points, you lose morale. And in the GBA, what makes it really hard is you don't regain morale between battles. You stay at the same health level that you had at the end of the last fight, which means that you can be on the brink of death multiple times. Okay, uh, there's there's the PSP change. You regain morale after every battle. Full? Yeah. Full morale? Yes, that would change it greatly. Yeah, that's one thing that they did change. Like, the PSP version probably is a lot easier just for that alone, um, because you always regained your units after uh, any battle. So you never had to worry about um, being, like, one person left standing. <laughs> like, you would, you, would, you would lose some, but never, like, enough that it was problematic. Like, if you started out with eight units, let's say after a couple battles you've had enough of them die, you may start with, like, six the next round. So it would slowly decrease, but it was never, again, to an extent where, you know, if you have all eight units or seven units die in one row and you only got one left, like, that's a little different. You don't have that as being a problem, I found. Yeah, remember remember Yudi, Sam, the witch who doesn't like to fight you at all and just likes to shoot at you from a long distance? How could I forget her? I hated her so much. I hated her even more because she would take away morale and I couldn't do a thing about it and I couldn't get it back. Yeah, I hated those um, attacks where if you were on the battlefield and they had like a cannon or um, a magic spell that could inflict a, a high radius, you were losing morale like mad. And when you start to lose morale, I mean, like I was saying before, in the PSP version, you wouldn't lose all your units, but there's guaranteed you'd probably lose at least one or two, depending on how many times you were hit. So, hmm. not fun. <laughs> so, but uh, so overall, despite the level of complexity, sounds like a, a really fun game. Actually, has an, a somewhat interesting story for a, a tactical RPG. That sounds like it's pretty much off the wall. Yeah, That's unusual. Yeah, we haven't delved into the story much. Uh, the gist of it is that Igdra. Uh, her kingdom has been taken over by Gulkasa's empire, and she has to go prove herself and take it back. You know, that that outline doesn't sound very unusual, but the, it's the details that make it interesting. And I think Sam will agree with me there that it does get interesting. I don't oh, know yeah. about Tom. Tom has nothing to say on it, apparently. What? The plot. <laughs> the other story? Eh. I mean, it's all right. I mean, there's a lot of twists and turns, and but, I mean, it's like, you're... you're I guess I did like the story because the whole time you're like battling against these uh, overwhelming odds, and you always, you always win, and unless you lose, and then it makes you feel good. Well, yeah, one there, thing that there is one moment in the story that I remember very well because there's a person who never formally joins you, but she helps you. She helps out a lot through the game, 
And then I kept thinking she was finally going to join me. This would be Kylier. And yep. then she kicks the bucket. Yeah, she dies to help, she dies to save the rest of you instead of actually joining you. And it's just before she's going to be all like, "Milanor, I love you." Yep. And that made it worse. Yeah, <laughs> the the plot is actually quite good. Like again, it's one of those it doesn't sound interesting based on like the kind of skeleton of it, but as you go on, um the characters become really engaging and, you know, Milanor truthfully doesn't really have a good reason to really be helping Princess Igdra. But as you kind of, as the game kind of goes on, you start to see Milanor's reasonings and you see Igdra's reasonings change throughout because it starts off with her just being all like, I'm going to kill Golcasa. Um, and it slowly changes. She still wants to kill Golcasa, obviously, but it, a little more appears and you start to sympathize with her cause, which is kind of what makes the game a lot of fun and not to mention I mean there's lots of characters who will sometimes join you some might not permanently stay with you so I mean the story was always constantly changing even based on the battlefield that you were you know fighting in so it was kind of nifty yeah, yeah what's his face had... general who joined because I uh, freed his fiance or something yeah I, I didn't get endings, him right yes yes what was the determining yes. factor in that? Say again? Well, he asked what was the determining factor in the, getting the different endings. Uh, I think it had Wasn't to do like with you... final battles. Um, yeah. You had to like, lose a battle or something. Yeah, or you either... I think you get the choice of being satisfied with what you've accomplished or trying to fight the gods themselves, which I did not try because I'd had enough at that point, especially after fighting Gulkasa yet again. But if you feel like trying to take on the gods, then you can get one more battle and get a very different ending where the gods take a disliking to Igdra for some reason. That's the one I got. <laughs> mm, I remember well, that quite que clearly, actually. Well, it sounds like, sounds like there's a lot to like about Igdra Union. I don't even think I have to ask for a thumbs up, thumbs down. It sounds like everyone who's played it really likes it a lot. True? Yes. True. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, and you can pick up um you can pick up Eager Union on ebayhalf.com for about $15 for either version depending on what system you have. You got the DS that Game Boy Advance unless you got the new DSs that Game Boy Advance will play just fine hmm. or pick it up for your PSP, which is nice cuz you can spend that any anywhere. Is this a game that you find that you really need to sit down and play? You can play in those short bursts. Well, you can save it at any time, but I'll let you save it mid battle. Yep. Yep. Oh, sweet. There you go. Uh, boy, that just sounds like an instant it's win a, right it's there. It's a very portable, friendly game. Ah. Although you may I played it on the bus a lot. Being and promptly get whacked. <laughs> well, um, yeah, since we've been talking about Riviera and Idra Union, uh, Little Birdie told me that uh, the fourth game, or episode four in the series, is a little game called Knights in the Nightmare. Is this true, Mr. Miki? Is Knights in the Nightmare somehow tied into uh, to these other two games? The connections between these games are very subtle, and Sting is is keeping the full details under wraps for a while. But oh, hold on! Before before we get started, that let me just say, uh, I I just got a message here. Paul needs to take off for the night, so I want to I want to thank uh, Mr. Paul Duhickey for being on RPG Backtrack this evening. Well, thank you, sir. We yes, appreciate you. It was very nice to have you. I appreciate it. I had is a good time. Ink 
Is Ingeman gnomish for doohickey? Um, no, it's goblin. Oh, cool. Okay. So <laughs> we'll catch you next time, Mr. Paul. Hope to talk at you soon. Yep. Have Take care, guys and girls. Bye. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. Sorry to interrupt, Michael. Go right ahead. Uh, yeah, this Nights in the Nightmare is apparently Chapter 4 in the Department Heaven series, and the connections between it will one day become clear to us, but right now Sting is delighting in making them very obtuse for conspiracy theorists, I'm sure. But the game itself, I am not well-placed to talk about because... Either my touchscreen was wonky or I was doing something wrong. It took me a full freaking hour to win the second battle, and that's not right. So nope, why don't that we happened let... to me too. <laughs> well, why don't we let Tom talk about it, since he's the man on the spot for this. Hello. What would you like me to talk about? Talking about a little tiny game called Knights in the Nightmare. Yeah, I know. What about it? Why were you having so much trouble? It was, was it because you didn't... Did you follow the tutorial first? Did you do the t look at the tutorial? Yes, I did the tutorial, and then all of it, I, all hour I long. I attempted to use items. I could only get items to work once, and then they wouldn't work again for whatever reason. That made it take an idiotically long time because I was doing pathetic damage against enemies. Well, the thing about knights is it's you really have to look at the tutorial, and it, it's weird because um, it's so complicated. It's so hard to even talk about. You have to make sure you're using the proper element against, you know, the the opposite element of the enemy, and then. But you also have to make sure that um, I forget exactly what the mechanic was, but there's like a it's like a, almost like a day and night, and if you're in the wrong, um, you know, if you're in, I don't, it's, I don't think it's day and night, but if you're in lawn chaos, the, okay, right, the law and chaos mode. If you're in the wrong one of those, you can't accumulate enough. Uh, of the, <laughs> I forget what that is too, but it's like these soul, these shards you collect, and if you can't collect those, you, you won't be able to do enough damage to your enemies. So actually, no, I was really like the souls. I had full charges, and it still wasn't working for whatever reason. Could have been that you weren't charging your your attacks for long enough, because you also have to charge your attacks with the proper item. Use the you have to use the proper classes. Like it's a very it's a very extremely hard game to explain and to you know to actually even figure out. It takes a lot of practice and you really have to go through those tutorials line by line to even know what you're doing at all. Quick, quick sidebar, Tom, how the freak is this going to work on PSP? I don't I don't know because I, I guess you're just moving around the cursor. That's it, not out yet, right? It's no, it's just out. it's no, October. I haven't read anything about it. So I mean I I don't work at Sting <laughs> or uh, or at Atlas, but I'm guessing you just have to move it around with uh with your analog stick. Though um on the PSP successor there are rumors of a touchscreen on the back. I did re read about that recently. I don't know. I guess you're just moving around just like uh where they go from using a mouse on your computer for like a first person shooter to uh using your cursor on a on a uh, or using cursor on a console or something. I guess. I mean, unless they give you like like a USB touch screen that you plug into your PSP or something, which I don't think they would. Well, you, I seem to recall you really, really liked this, Tom. So, explain why it's so good. Uh, okay. I mean, I haven't played it in a while, but 
I just I I liked how unique it was, and I I liked how clever. I I just like these sorts of games. That's probably part of it that are that are totally unique, and you have to fi- it has a, a bit of a learning curve. But once you figure it out, it there's a lot of depth in the gameplay. Um, there's so many different uh, you know. You have to manage all the different classes of your your soldiers, and you can you can uh, also like um, I don't want to say mate, but you like you can they're they're all ghosts, so you can like combine them and make new soldiers, and you're you know you're advancing through that way. And on the field, like you're trying, you're not only trying to kill enemies, but you're also trying to smash items so that you can get get a new there's another item system where you equip each of your characters with these with these uh, items again on the field like the weapons I mean weapons and stuff so you're, you're not only trying to sm- kill the enemies but you're also trying to smash items so you can get new weapons but you're trying to manage that with you know not trying to be killed by the enemies <laughs> um, I really like the boss battles there's like uh, these bo- bosses have uh, unique attacks and you have to use strategy different strategy for each boss uh, and um, the main mechanic I thought was really cool was how the way enemies attack you isn't by like running up to you and hitting you with a weapon, but it's like these. Uh, I, I don't know how to uh, explain it exactly, but like, it's uh, bullet hell. like yeah, like like yeah, exactly, yeah, bullet hell, bullet hell. Uh, like these water droplets will will drop down, and you have to move your your wisp with your stylus between like the the water droplets or between like just like you would in a bullet hell game sometimes it might be like a sword it might be like i don't know like a ghost or something and you have to avoid it and you're const it's like it's a very hectic game and i think it i i just really liked how unique it was and how once you figured it out it was it, it did end up being fun even though it was complicated that much i can instantly agree with it is very hectic yeah, and I just I, I I liked how clever they were with the attacks, like they were they were constantly coming up with new ones, and the bosses all had you know unique ones you had to deal with. So, wow. Well, hey Scott, you have some experience with this, don't you? Uh, I okay. Th- this is my story. There's some there's something of a narrative to my experience with Knights in the Nightmare. So uh, Sam p- bought this uh, for me for my birthday, and I sat down. And I flipped it open, and I read through the tutorial. I thought I read thoroughly. I, I really did. And the tutorial is, if you haven't seen it, is effing long. It's like 20 pages of real text, all all displayed on your DS t- screens. And you, and then I start playing, and I, I I beat the first battle, and I put it down for about I don't know three days, maybe four. I went back. And I had apparently not absorbed enough of what I read in the tutorial to actually beat the second level. So I spent about an hour fiddling around, doing doing quite a good job of clearing the screen, but not trying, but not uh, getting the little slot machine thing that they do after you clear the enemies out. So I'm sitting here killing all the dudes, and then the lines aren't going right for me. So I keep shouting at it for an hour. It's like, how do I win? Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. You, you don't win by killing the enemies. You have to kill the proper enemies so that it creates a line in the little slot machine thing, which you have to be able to read properly. Yeah. So that's not exactly friendly. If any game by Sting should have been called Baroque, it's this one. 
Because that's what the, oh, the, ga the game mechanics are. They're Baroque. They are needlessly mm. complicated. Like, any right. one of these mechanics added to a standard strategy RPG would have been interesting and engaging and fun. All of them is just a complete cluster frack. I mean, I don't know. I, I just had a di completely different experience. I, I picked up on it right away. But, I don't know. I, I also did enjoy Baroque, so maybe I'm just... Uh, I enjoy different types of things than other people. I don't know. Fair enough. So, the quick go-around. Mr. Miki, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, sure, I'll give it a thumbs up, based on the three hours or so I spent with it in two battles. I did play through the entire tutorial, so I thought I knew what I was doing. Just like Scott. <laughs> Scott? <laughs> yes? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, I really don't think I've played enough of it to sort of give it a fair judgment. I think at Two. some point I, <laughs> I will go back and I will try again. <laughs> Two torpedoes to the bottom. Tom! I'll give it a thumbs up, but only if you're a genius like me. Ah, thumbs up for the geniuses out there. <laughs> I guess, Sam, I don't know. Or Sam, if you're did weird. did you touch this or was it Scott alone? Scott alone on this one. He was the one who wanted to play it. I kind of looked at the whole, oh my god, there's so much crap going on on the screen, and I said, no, thank you. <laughs> this one was a little bit harder um, to find, so the plux, the the, uh, the the prices tend to fluctuate a little bit more, and I don't know if those comes that came out with the CD or something, but you can still find a few copies out there for about 20-plus shipping, so probably 25 bucks. If you're yeah, looking this to isn't grab that, release. there's part of the reason its price won't mm, go down. Too oh, that's why. Yeah, yeah. And there's some there's some that's always uh, selling it in the shrink wrap for about a hundred bucks. So yeah, there's actually some money to be made <laughs> there if you know your games pretty well. So I think there's one more on the list. Yeah, so this one, this one, Sam knows very well because she reviewed it. I did, and wow. you know, this game really shouldn't really be talked about on Backtrack because it came out this year. But we're going to break a little bit of rules and we're going to talk about Hexy's Force. Are 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 you going to are you going to give spoilers? Please do, See, Sam. I think yeah. I may have to just because it is RPG Backtrack and yeah, thank uh, you. Okay. You know what? Truthfully, I, um as long as you're committed to the excellence, we'll allow you to break the rules on a new game. Go ahead. All right. So Hexy's Force is Sting's attempt at doing a traditional RPG. So when people what people like when people think of Sting, they think really unique, um, really complex battle systems. This has none of it. <laughs> I mean every every game we've talked about, you know, from beginning to end here has had some very Un absolutely unique elements. I mean, the gameplay experiences, the, the stories haven't all been something you want to write home about, but yeah. What, so, you're telling me this isn't a unique gaming RPG experience of some sort? I'm going to say gameplay and story-wise, no, it's it's not. It's very... Um, it's a very standard game. Probably, I think, the safest of all of Sting's releases. It's, it's probably the least ambitious, that's for sure. Um, I think the best way to describe Hexy's Force is... It's a pretty bland game. Like, and that's kind of disappointing to say, considering, you know, I don't like Riviera, but Riviera was very unique. Wasn't my kind of unique, but it was unique. <laughs> Hexy's Force doesn't really bring a lot to the table. Like, Atlas was toting it as, hey, there's two unique stories, you know, in one game. 
Uh, first off, the stories are not unique at all. I played all... Okay, well, funny enough, when I was doing the review, um, I picked Cecilia's path first. Cecilia is a priestess of Palfina. She's also lazy and kind of selfish and really irritating. Hmm. So, score one for the irritating females on this podcast. Cecilia's up there. Um, turns out, according to a lot of the people who played this game as an import, I picked the harder path. The second character is Levant, and he is um, a knight of Rosenbaum, and he has a fear of um, heights. Mm -hmm. so, and, and a fear of, not only just a fear of heights, but obviously a fear of falling. Um, the two stories actually intertwine quite perfectly, so you can play as either character, and it's essentially the same story. You're just going about uh, the different plot points uh, in a different order. And that's really the only unique aspect to the plot. Um, the story really is about how the creation goddess, uh, Norva, she descended from the heavens with the holy vessel in which she drew force, which is a spiritual energy. And she used it to create, like, all living things. But she was threatened by the god of destruction, Delgaia, um, and he threatened to destroy the world, um, in which then Norva created beings called Hexes. Hexes have the ability to protect the world, and they also have special weapons that cannot be broken. Part of what makes Hexes Force gameplay... It's, it's actually quite similar to Riviera, in the sense that uh, your weapons do break. Um, unless you're using a Ragnifact that's a divine Ragnifact, uh, so that would be anything that the Hexes carry that... Uh, doesn't have a uh, usage point, those will not break, and you can use special abilities with them. Um, you collect a lot of disposable items, so a lot of your items, for the most part, will um, be destroyed after you've used it enough times, and everything in the game can be broken. Wow. So, um, it's one of those games where if you don't have enough uh, weapons to fight with, you're kind of screwed. But, considering most of the characters all have uh, special di divine weapons, you don't run into that problem too much. Mm -hmm. um, truthfully, the, uh, the whole battle system is it's kind of a snore. Um, mostly because it's, very, it's a very typical turn-based game. Just because your weapons break doesn't really add anything to the game. In fact, it just makes it really unmemorable in some ways. Like, Yggdra Union has a really fast-paced combat system and it's it's very memorable in how, you know, for me I remember I having a lot more fun playing that than I did Hexy's Force. And that being said, I mean, when I reviewed Hexy's Force I gave it a 3 out of 5. Truthfully, I don't like Hexy's Force. But, when I had to go through a review scale, uh, it scored 3s pretty much in every category. Because it's a very safe effort. It's like it's a game that's very harmless. You're not gonna get like an intense enjoyment out of it, but you will. I mean, if you're looking for something that's very cliche, very middle road, you might enjoy this game. I know for me, I wasn't having a lot of fun, and especially being the reviewer. I mean, I had two stories I had to play through, and it wasn't fun when I was repeating the same plot points over and over again. But, you know, like, the characters aren't bad. Like, they're not great, but they aren't 
bad. Like, I definitely enjoyed the characters in Levant's story a lot more than I did in Cecilia's. But Cecilia's characters are a lot more powerful than the ones in Levant's story. So there was even somewhat of a, a balance issue when you played. But for the most part, I mean, it's it's a really easy game. Like, no one should have trouble playing this compared to uh, Yggdra Union or Knights uh, of the Air, <laughs> that's for sure. Not going to bust your brain uh, trying to line up your characters yeah, in certain this, patterns. This game and... is so stupidly easy. Yeah. The only time I had a problem with it was the final boss fight, because there was nine forms, mm. one after the other. Oof. It's as bad as the next boss fight in Persona 3, and at least in the Persona 3 boss fight, those only took less than ten minutes to destroy. This took me probably about close to two hours to beat, and I actually died the first time I did it, so I had to repeat another two hours to beat the boss. I was not happy. So, so and now I was thankful. This is part of Department Heaven, don't we? Oh yeah. Oh no, it's not actually. It's actually made by the B team. It's made by the B team. It's the one who did Broke and uh, Dokapon. It is Tom, not a Department of Heaven Tom, game. Sam just said Baroque was made by the B team. The B it's team! Fun. It's called. <laughs> there, there's a Sting A team and a Sting B team. Sting oh, A is Department gosh. of Heaven, and they only do Department of Heaven games. And then the B team does everything else that we've talked about. That's not Eggdra Union, Riviera, or Nights in the Nightmare. So, did any of y'all else have the profound pleasure of playing this particular title? Nope. No. Okay. So, S Sam, sum this up for us. What do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down. You got the only word on this, so you go. Well, the only other person I know who played it, uh, he didn't finish it because he found it so boring. Truthfully, I can't give this game a thumbs up because, like I said, it's a very safe effort when you put it on the review paper but it does nothing to make it remotely memorable compared to a game like Yggdra Union. Like, if we're going to compare it to another Sting title on this list, mm. I'm going with Yggdra Union because at least that one there was solid from start to finish. This was just kind of like a snooze fest from start to finish. Though it mm. sounds like it's easier than Evolution at the end. That's something. <laughs> one thing I will give Hexy's Force some credit for is that um, at the end of every chapter, depending on your actions... Um, your, there's like a scale, and on the scale it'll either move towards creation or destruction and depending on where the scale ends at the end of the game determines the ending you get. I got the destruction ending when I played as Cecilia. So, all the bad stuff happened, and I was pretty happy about it. Yay! Um, you ruined the world. Yay! It was pretty awesome. Um, truthfully, the other thing I can say about Yggdra Union um, is that it really has a solid soundtrack. It's definitely one of the better soundtracks that I've come across for some of the Sting titles I've played. Um, like, that's one of the more solid aspects. The voice acting's a little questionable at times, but I expect that most of the time when I play a game. It's probably not as bad as, like, Arkwrise Fantasia, but, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, this, this for me was a tough game to review, just because it wasn't horrendous, I didn't like it, but it wasn't horrendous enough that I had to go around and be like, one! 1. 1.5! Um, because, no, it didn't do anything to warrant that kind of a score. It hmm. just was so middle of the road that it was kind of like, how do I talk about this game with any sense of enjoyment? 
And I mean, in today's world where we have so many different uh, gaming options, and even if you're not, uh, you know, even if you're not flowing in cash, we talk about so many good RPGs on, here on RPG Backtrack, which you can really get for you know under ten bucks. Doesn't sound like something I want to rush out and play. Now you know what this is one that if it ever comes up on a deal, and you're mildly curious about it, I'd say go for it. I mean, you can get it on the PlayStation Network. Uh, if you just want to directly download it. And truthfully, this is one of the harder games to find. Um, I know that people who have been looking for it have been having a lot of trouble. Like, this probably had a far more limited release than even uh, Night's Little Nightmare did. Because I've only mm. seen one copy of all the game stores I visited. I've only seen it once. Really? Huh. You would think that being that it was a more traditional game that they would have, you know, gotten better publishing something or others but i think that in the case of atlas this game just came out in such a lull because they were so busy promoting p3p persona 3 portable that this game was kind of like it's coming and they didn't really bother to push anything to make it even recognizable whereas with knights in the nightmare last year they were definitely pushing out the content like videos um you know what to expect with the game this one there was no information, so nobody really knew what they were getting themselves into if they bought this game, and unless they read reviews. And the reviews on this game are not very stellar. Like a good friend of mine works for uh, he works for GameCritics.com. Uh, his name is Trent Fingland. Um, and funny enough, we were reviewing the game at the same time, and he he emailed me. He's like, "Are you actually enjoying this game?" I'm like, "Nope." He goes, "Yeah, I'm not enjoying it either, but you know." It, it's, it just doesn't do anything. It's it's very slow. Like, if you want a fast story, no. You're not going to find it here. So, yeah, Hexy's Force. Kind of a thumbs down from me, but you can check out my review. It's there in the archives. Um, to kind of judge it for yourself, just because I'm kind of toting the whole I didn't really enjoy it, doesn't necessarily mean it's actually a bad game. It's just for me personally. Uh, it's not one I can recommend with a lot of uh, enthusiasm. It didn't even make my uh, decade, or what was it, my halftime report for all the mm. games that we've played in the first half. So that says and a lot for me. And that's fair enough. There there are a few gamers out there looking for a typical JRPG experience on the PSP that doesn't provide too much of a, a challenge. They don't want to have to be looking things up on the backboards. So maybe there there's a niche out there for that. Um, before we before we leave the main event, we've talked about so many games today. I just want to go around the table, and I want you each one of you just to tell me out of this whole list of games, which one's your favorite one. You've got 30 seconds to do a sales pitch to convince our audience to buy your favorite Sting game. Let's start with Miss Cunningham. Um, I don't think I've played enough Sting games to have a favorite. Just, just listening to these people, what do you want to go out and buy now? Oh, what I want to go buy? I I would yeah. say if I were to buy any of them, it'd be what you call it, Union. That's good because we don't fight alone. And if you and I both have Idra Union, we'll never fight alone. It fair just enough. Did like the most interesting of the games. All right, fair enough, Mister Mike. Well, you know, of course the the ones I've played, I can't really vote for again, but. I would kind of like to experience Igor Union on PSP. I'd like to experience Riviera on PSP, but you've made me narrow it to one. So fine, I'll. I'd like to see what Igor Union is like on the PSP. There. We won't fight alone because we'll all have a copy. Sam, Igor Union. I could all play right. that game over and over again. 
It's just phenomenal from start to finish. Wow, check that out. Mr. Scotty. Uh, I'm going to go back to Knights in the Nightmare, if I can ever beat uh, Super Robot Wars OG2. <laughs> Get through that you bullet hell. Just take that stupid Einst down. The Einst register may be 40 kilometers long, but you can do it. Alright. Give, give you a use to actually use the stylus for once on a DS game. Mr. Tom. Is this a game we're recommending to other people, or that we yes. want to play? Oh. E- either or. Um, I don't care. We're flexible. I mean, I guess Yggdra, though I think I personally enjoyed Nights in the Nightmare. Nights the in the Nightmare. Bullet hell with RPG elements. And, and, and definitely, I think, yeah, definitely, the thing about Steam games, and Sam kind of brought this out in talking about uh, that Heinze Force game or whatever it was called, is that a lot of these games are so off the wall and they're very polarizing. Like games like Baroque, it's usually most of them you can give to people and they'll be way in one direction, way the other. Um, uh, you know, mostly across the board when you look at these guys, except for Heinze Force, which hopefully they'll go back to doing these real quirky original type of guys again, because I personally like originality. Uh, What's your recommendation? You've been listening. My recommendation, of course, is Yggdra Union. We don't fight alone! Because I love tactical RPGs, and I have actually spent time with a lot of these titles that we're talking about. Um, Not as much in-depth as you guys have, so I let y'all, for the most part, do most of the talking. I already talk enough as it is, but um, no, I agree with you. Gosh, there's just there's different layers to the combat there. I love strategy in my battles. I like to think my way through things. Um, I like making teamwork work together and with all the different strengths and weaknesses uh, that you have to take into account, as well as the cards and worrying about what the enemy is going to do and how they're going to line up. There's a lot of thought that can go into each battle. It reminds me, uh, even though it's not really close, but the amount of thought that I was putting into some of those battles reminded me of a game. I don't know if y'all have ever played it, but it's, um, oh, uh, Dynasty Tactics. Have y'all ever played that on a PS2? Nope. No. No, check it out. It's not the really... Only it, Dynasty I play has Gundams in it. <laughs> Gundams and Warriors and stuff. No, they came out with a game, Dynasty Tactics. Uh, you can find the, a good a good write-up review on it on GameSpot. Um, but, uh, you know, Dynasty Warrior games are, are always put in that Chinese... God, I, I forget what the story's called. I don't really care. The whole point is, I got generals. They command armies, which are represented by icons. The generals are who bring the abilities for the armies to the table. And you'd have to really think through the battles because you could line up actions well in advance kind of like chess but a lot more fun because if you hit the guy the right way he'd bounce between people like we were talking about a phil bit. Mm-hmm. do you mean romance of the three kingdoms no 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 this one is dynasty tactics he said it's based dynasty off... tactics you said it's based yeah. off chinese it's based off the romance of the three kingdoms yeah all oh. those dynasty games are based off the rome yeah you're right except for yeah. samurai warriors which is not japanese or something is right Insert your Japanese epic about it's... the Warring States, and then there's Gundam, and soon yeah. Fist of the North Star. <laughs> there's a story involved in there somewhere, Sam. I just totally ignored it because I want to get to the cool combat where I could set up big combos if you think the things through enough st- steps ahead, and you'd watch these enemy enemy not just soldiers we're talking a whole entire army get bounced back like they're in a pinball machine as they bounce from one warrior to the next to the next because you set with this huge combo, and they just get utterly and irrevocably destroyed. And that was fun because it's really a payoff for the amount of thought that you're putting into it. You get the same thing with the Idra Union, so that would be my recommendation. Whew! All right. Well, that was a 
<laughs> that was a very long Nate event. I don't know about y'all. I need to grab a drink so that we can come back and talk about some import games with Mr. Mike Meeky. We'll be right back in just a moment. first one is Treasure Hunter G, which had some notoriety because it was the very last game that Squaresoft published for the Super Nintendo, and Squaresoft still owns the rights to it. I think it showed up on the Virtual Console in Japan, which means that it will not see a remake anytime soon because we all know that the, the kiss of death to an IP from Square Enix is putting it on the Virtual Console. But the game deserves better than that. This was Sting's first development effort, and the story is junk. I I played through this game in Japanese and I understood most of what was going on because it's so cliched, even for 1996. You've got a couple of bright young heroes. One of them is named Red, even though he has blue hair. I don't really understand that. And though they do have a monkey on their team. They have a monkey that throws a boomerang. That's nifty. You don't see too Monkeys many... Monkeys are awesome! Yes. Yeah, hello. <laughs> But the monkey doesn't say anything. That's why he's so cool. Most of the other characters speak, and they speak a while, and they, even in Japanese, you'll get bored because you'll go, wait, I've seen this before. There's an evil emperor, and there's a magical girl, the evil emperor once. Where have you heard these before? Oh, right, in several dozen other games off the top of your head. But the plot isn't is inconsequential because this has a good battle system like Sting games tend to do. It has a tactical feel to it. Uh... Squares that you move on each have a different color. The color corresponds to how many action points it takes to do anything on that square. Uh, what, and enemies will be, when they're hit by you, will bounce over the screen, and when you get hit by enemies, you'll bounce around, so you'll have to move around a lot and re, reposition yourself. And once you're out of action points, the enemy takes its move and whatnot. So, obviously, since you're moving over a grid, this feels like a tactical game. The enemies are not random. You can see them coming, or sometimes they'll just attack you, but they're not random. They're fixed. Uh, I should also mention... Something else? Mm -hmm. I forgot what it was. I'll get to it. It was there. It was there for just a moment. Uh... That was not it, but that was something very unusual that my vocal cord produced spontaneously. <clears throat> Yeah, it gets fairly... The kid's family gets murdered. Hmm? The kid's family gets murdered. Yeah, you've never heard that one, have you? Never. Oh, normally not. I, I mean, like... The Evil Emperor even, like... was actually pretty tough. I remember having a fairly good challenge out of him. 
and then you fight uh, the evil thing that he unlocked by using the power of, and that was actually pretty easy, even though it had more hit points than anything else in the game. But, yeah, it's the combat that makes this interesting. It's a very tactical feel. The game, you get more action points as you level up, but to, to adjust for that, the game will make the squares cost more so that you have to think about what you're doing all the time. And, yeah, all, everything that you do depends upon your positioning, and your characters have different weapons with different ranges. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I should... Because it's not a full tactical game, you can waste action points occasionally, mostly because pulling off a diagonal on a Super Nintendo control pad can be challenging at times. And the game will automatically move you in the direction that you're pushing with no confirmation. So you can... If you're careless, you can walk off in the wrong direction for a step. But that's a minor thing. Now, I think Sam tried this one, so she can talk about it. Truthfully, I don't think I can. It's been a very long time. I guess I'd explain how I got it. Um, a girlfriend of mine, uh, Janelle, she gave me a giant CD of ROMs. And Treasure Hunter G was one of the ones that she gave me. Um, and I remember... I don't remember a lot about the story, and I don't remember the story being interesting enough to care about. <laughs> um, but I remember the See? combat being really fun, um, and it was pretty. It's like even though it's like a pseudo tactical game, it, I remember it being pretty fast too. Actually, yeah, it is. That's all, that's why fun... probably you don't get to confirm what direction you're moving and to keep it fast. Yeah, I think the fun part really was the like between the battles is the exploration part of it. Like, you go into different dungeon stuff, there was lots of stuff, like, obviously, treasure to hoard. Um, so there, like, there was a lot to explore, and that's really all I remember about it, unfortunately. Tom, you tried it too, didn't you? Yes, I did. What was your response? I enjoyed it. I mean, a lot of the times, uh, lately, I won't complete a game, but that one I stuck with through to the end. I think it was the, you know, the offbeat style you know the weird monkey and this you know i like I, like i said i mean i like knights in the nightmare like i even like baroque so i like the the strategic aspect of the gameplay i don't know something about tiles i just really like tiles i think <laughs> maybe we've heard your future career calling i don't know i should mention yeah. that that the visual look of this is very distinct remember how Lots of games near the end of the Super Nintendo were rendered, like Donkey Kong Country. Well, this uses rendered graphics instead of sprites, and they haven't aged all that well, just like Donkey Kong Country hasn't aged all that well, but it does give it a very unique look. And the music is awesome. This game is 20 hours, probably less if you push it, but there are a good 40 or so tracks in here, and they're all really good from a variety of composers. I think a young Hitoshi Sakamoto was composing some stuff for this. And I think most people who know video game music have heard of his name at one point or another. This is one of his first appearances, I do believe. <laughs> so that's Treasure Hunter G. And then Sting developed one other game in 1997 on the Super Nintendo called Solid Runner in which you are a man named Shu who controls a runner, which is pretty much a personal robot that he 
runs around and does missions in in the futuristic locale of Solid City, which is plagued by bio-monsters. The story for this one is a lot more interesting than Treasure Hunter G, not that that's saying much, which makes it kind of a pain that that there doesn't seem to be a translation readily available, because in the first hour or so, his fiancée gets killed, and yeah, he eventually meets up with somebody else, but that's not for a good 15 hours or so that they finally hook up. And it's it's got a very mission-based feel to it, uh, very episodic in places, but it all adds up to an interesting whole because the environments are pretty interesting, even though the graphics for 1997 on the Super Nintendo aren't that great. And combat is, again, unique for this. Uh, you take his runner into fights with random enemies for the most part, and you have three options. You can do a melee attack, which involves you charging across the screen to hit the other en- the other enemy. You can do a ranged attack, or you can simultaneously dodge and use another attack. Dodging counts as a separate move because it'll make ranged attacks very likely to miss, but you're very vulnerable to a melee attack, and there's a rock, paper, scissors methodology to it. And anytime you use a th- something other than melee, you need to you have ammo for it or else you'll waste a turn reloading that weapon. And on both of your shoulders and on both of your hands is a separate weapon, which there's a good variety of weaponry to choose from in this game. Which you're going to need to do because, sadly, the enemies only have one or two patterns and once you have seen the enemies a few times you'll know exactly what they're going to do and can maximize your damage while minimizing what you take so that's kind of sad that the enemies aren't very intelligent but the game as a whole is very interesting if not the equal of some other sting games and if it had come out over here it would probably have had something of an audience by now because well most everything from that era has its own audience and following by now, but it's not a great game, but if you are already into importing, I would recommend you check it out. It, there's something to say for it. And this one, I think I'm alone in talking about, so nobody else Fair. comments. Doesn't seem like it. So you, you <laughs> say go ahead, if you're impo- if you're an import fan, go ahead and check this this guy out. The, the first one, did you say whether or not you think they should import it? Oh, yes. If you're, do- yes. If you're going into imports, Treasure Hunter G should be above Solid Runner, but neither of them is at all a bad game. They're... And did, did, did the language, was that a big problem? Not really. Treasure Hunter G, again... The story is so cliched and hackneyed, even for 1996, that you won't have any trouble figuring out what's going on or moving around. And like Sam said, the combat is so fast that the language barrier doesn't become an issue. You're just taking actions and doing them instead of reading off the kanji. Solid Runner, it's a little more involved, but if you know some basic katakana and whatnot, you'll be able to figure your way out. Hmm. Sweet. So go and check these guys out. Um, where did you get yours from? eBay. eBay. So eBay's your friend. Go and check out our two choices for import of the week. And while you're doing that, you can listen to these fine music as we prepare for the last lap.
want to give a big shout out to everyone who write on the boards. Gosh, there was so much text going back and forth. Uh, my bunny brain can't even handle it. What, what, Mike, can you summarize what in the heck happened with the ease discussion? Uh, well, it started with Master Chief me- mentioning a strategy for ease three, and then it pinwheeled into a discussion of Falcom in general, but pretty much the forum audience was in agreement that ease six of the games that were actually released at that point was the one to play. And I'll tell you, I mean, not that it was really talked about on the boards, I don't think, but E7, man, uh, my friends who picked it up are really enjoying it. On top of, of course, Mac's uh, glowing recommendation for the game. So, go and Mac, check. Mac can be hard to impress, so that should mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, do do we have a, and we want to keep encouraging people, by the way, to, to write on the boards. Mike, uh, do we have a, a question of the week? Well, I have a fairly lame one, unless somebody else has a good one, that, because we actually do have a prize. Does anyone have a good question? Um, Explain you know to what? me we how will. you yes. win at yes. the Nightmare. <laughs> explain to me how you <laughs> All right, the contest is explain to Scott in under 10, ten sentences how to eat Knights in the Night. No, I'm just... Um, Oh, I don't know. First, That's a pretty good question. We'll we'll test everybody's essay power. Essay power, Scott. Scott. Okay, okay. That's a good one. I like it. Okay, so the this is an essay contest. Um, a paragraph needs, essay. Um, it needs to be under two hundred and fifty wordish, give or take. And we're not going to count the words. But if it's too long, Scott's going to just delete it because he doesn't have that much time. Take this very complicated game and explain it in a way that Scott can understand. Scott is the judge, and Scott will choose the winner. And Sam is going to tell us what the winner is going to win. Sam, a copy of Riviera on PSP. Holy sweet mother of all that is holy. That is an awesome prize. So, Scott, what is your email address? Because they're going to be sending all of these essays to you. I don't want them. Go, Scott. Uh, you can just hit me up at uh, Fowl, F-O-W-L, underscore Sorceress, S-O-R-C-E-R-O-U-S, at rpgamer.com. And I'm going to give you guys a week from uh, when this episode gets posted to get your entries in. Okay, so all of those entries will go to Mr. Scott. You've got a week, and he will evaluate them. Again, if it's too long, he's just going to hit the delete button because Scott doesn't like to read manuals. So <laughs> make sure they are boiled down so that Scott can understand them. And, and whichever one he picks out, he will let Sam uh, – he'll let you know, and you give him your address. He'll forward that to Sam, who will send you your very own signed copy. <laughs> I'm not signing it. Sign. I'll sign it. Sign copy. <laughs> okay, that might be doable. Of Riviera. Well, you can put a signed picture in if you like. Yeah, with a big kiss on it's it. It's been a freaking three backtracks since we awarded anything. Nobody answered yeah. Dragon Force 2's characters. And I'm not going to tell you what they are because I want that to remain confidential until someone actually finds it out. And nobody yeah. bothered to tell me what systems ease hasn't been on. I'm very disappointed. And we want, we know that there's at least three people out there listening to this because one of them's my mother. So <laughs> one of you guys got to get this right, okay? This is an easy contest. Get your free signed autograph limited edition, kissed upon copy of. 
What are we? Oh, Riviera. I'm sorry, I lost the name of the game. Would you Think like Tuck. to take a picture of me kissing Riviera? I would. Yes, and post that on the board so they know exactly what they're getting, Sam. Okay. Um, you can post it on the backtrack thread. That way, it'll actually stay popular enough to stay on the front page and not end up on page 15 like the last one did. Um, well, I have done some modeling experience for this site. Hey, hey, it's all it's all good. So, poo. Oh, what were we doing? Oh, yes, we were wrapping up the show, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. So our, our next show is going to be backtrack number 24. We're going to be talking about a couple of Chrono games, as well as Infinite Discovery, The Wizard Enhanced, Dragon Quest IV, and Sonic Chronicles. So a lot of different topics. We want y'all to definitely write in your comments, questions, anything you have about those titles. We will be happy to discuss them. You're also welcome to send in two-minute MP3 recordings of your thoughts about anything that we've talked about or we're going to talk about. Uh, email those to me. In fact, we have one today. I'm going to add it on to the end of the show. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. Please follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer or become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. I want to thank all of my hosts, uh, Becky, not married to Matt Cunningham, Mr. Er, Scott, uh, Scotty from the Enterprise, um, Tom Goldman, and um, <laughs> Sam Marcello, the mistress. Um, we want to thank you. Thank, do you all have anything to say to the audience before we, we send, before we leave? I think our sting has been stung. <laughs> it, it has been, uh, Sam. Uh, <laughs> Sam? There's poop. In Dokapon Kingdom, and you should go find it. <laughs> and remember, poop is only enjoyed if you have multiple people to play <laughs> with it. Okay, that's important. Playing with poop by yourself is just, it's just not right. Don't do it. Get some friends and play with the poop together. Scott. Read into my attention whore tendencies. Read my column. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> and and what, what, what do you write on the site again? I write Saving Throw. Saving Throw. So go and check that out at rpgamer.com. There's a link on the site for the Saving Throw. Go check it out. Make Scott feel needed. Mr. Tom, anything to our audience? Mm, no, I'm just trying to figure out why I like things that everybody hates. Cause, because remember, Tom, you've already touched on that. Remember, you're smart. Everybody else isn't. Remember, oh, yeah. we touched on that. Thank you. All yeah. right, it's um, tough. If you are a genius, then you will, of course, not like what the lower people like. That's right. You're always, you know, you're, you're, yeah. That's exactly right. That's good point. So, my my final point is, of course, I want to thank you, our audience, for listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you're the reason we do this. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best communi gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast, at rpgamer.com. Mr. Meeky, take us home. We've played with people named after weapons, run with a harem of girls to prevent the apocalypse, used some cards in strategic ways, changed the angel or demon or whatever it is in the tower, bounced all over with a wisp helping some knights, dived between light and darkness, rolled the board pieces over and over, then went back to the past for a fight with an evil emperor using a monkey and charging robot foes in simple combat. Sting isn't done putting out games, so wait whatever is coming from the future with bated breath and hope if evolution is revived and it becomes good.
hours of fun hours bleeping me and editing. Yeah, I think I think oh, Matt gave us Carpenter's curses more than any other demographic you can think of. I find that interesting. One-eyed, one-eyed carpenters. They have no depth perception, so Did they it? would hit themselves in the fingers more often. How about one-eyed fishermen? They probably they probably hook themselves all the time. That would be fairly painful. Yeah, but you have to. But a hook in the finger is one thing. That, in fact, those don't really hurt. They're just sort of weird. <laughs> hitting yourself, hitting yourself with a hammer really, really stings. And if you do it often enough, you're, you're going to develop a very large vocabulary of swear words because you can't just, you know, uh, repeat your best material before lunch. Okay, I can't really deny that. You have a good point, so... <laughs> hey, where'd Sam go? Uh, I blew her away with my sneeze. Oh, no. Your sneeze reaches all the way from Utah up to Toronto? It's that powerful. That's, that's nasty. It is. Yeah, there's Friend a bunch of, of snot in Wyoming kind of fell along the way. Are we up to 20... Friend of a friend once broke a rib sneezing. Wow. Like, did didn't, he have didn't fall down. Didn't, did he have arthritis? Down. No, like, no arthritis, no osteoporosis. He just sneezed so hard, it cracked a rib. I can see that. I have some pretty powerful sneezes. Like, your the lungs expanded so fast, it just, uh... The, the, the ribs couldn't hold it. She cannot hold this sneeze any longer, Captain! Her ribs are gonna blow! I can do Inspector Clouseau if you like, and I can entertain people with a horrible French uh, accent constructed solely for those movies. Mm. I'm giving Tom a few minutes while I improvise some show notes, in case you're wondering. Gosh, nobody <laughs> talk, knows Peter Sellers. I'm talk so amongst yourselves. I, I remember Peter Sellers. I, Shot in the Dark is his best movie. Also, he does a re one of his albums. I, I should track it down at some point. He opens it with um, him doing John Lennon reading the opening soliloquy to Richard the <laughs> Third, and then closes it with an impression of Laurence Olivier reading the lyrics to Hard Day's Night. And it is the most hilarious <laughs> thing ever. It is. It has been a hard day's night, and I have been working like a dog. That's one thing about Peter Sellers, I haven't explored his music, even though I know the Beatles really, really liked him because of his uh, musical releases. So I should explore that. No. No one can hear Sam? Sam! Hello! Whoa! Sweet mercy! Ah! Oh my gosh! Okay. Just here. This thing acts up sometimes, so... I'll try not to die. 